Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I'm your host, Monica, and we are back again. New week, new topic, new guest every single week. And this week, I am very, very, very excited for our guest. Guys, she is described by Fame Magazine as a natural born star. She is an entertainment reporter. She is someone who's very authentic when it comes to TikTok. And if you've seen her TikTok, I know you've seen it and stayed because she is very funny. She is very much herself. She is very much real, down to earth. And I've been a fan of hers for a while and I'm so happy to have her on the podcast. I highly encourage you guys to check out her content. Her name is Big Teasus and she's here with us today. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited. I'm so yes. excited for us to dive into everything. Uh, you just don't know how excited I am to be here. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. And guys, today we're going to be talking about Made. It is a miniseries on Netflix starring Margaret Qualley and Andy McDowell. And I was actually doing, in my research, I figured out that it was one of the most watched um, series on Netflix next to Squid Games, which is crazy to me because I actually hadn't heard anybody talk about Made. So I'm very excited for us to talk about today. But before we get into Made, uh, we're going to jump right into our segment, Media Mania, where we talk about new releases and entertainment news that has been circling the timeline. And the first thing I want to talk about is, of course, the Grammys happened recently. Yes, they did. And many people went away with awards and many people did not. But the one story that I would like to focus on in regards to Grammys is Victoria Monet finally, yes. finally being nominated and winning. Yes, I will say I am new to the train, but I'm glad mm. I'm on it. It yes. took me some time to get on it, but I am on and I am so happy to be there. Yes, yes. Victoria Monet is, as many of you may or may not know, she is a singer-songwriter. Um, a lot of you may know her as like Ariana Grande's best friend because she has written a lot of Ariana Grande's hits, as well as she has written for like Fifth Harmony, T.I., Blackpink, you know, a lot of well-known artists. And she is also a musician herself. And she had her commercial breakthrough with her hit single, On My Mama, which hit I think it got to like number 40 on Billboard's top 100 and she won, she got a nomination for record of the year and she received like seven nominations and she won awards for best new actress, best R and B album, best engineered album and non-classical as well. So yes. I just wanted to touch on the fact that she is so talented and so yes. amazing. I've been a fan of hers for a very long time and I'm just, it feels like, this is a sense of vindication you have within yourself where you're like, I knew it. I always knew you were going to be a star. And I was right. And someone of so long, you're like, finally, like y'all are yeah. seeing what I've been seeing in this person yep. for a long time. Yep. I wasn't on a train. Like I said, I saw her perform, I think at a festival mm. on social media. She had like a brown outfit on and mm. she was going crazy on stage. And people were like, y'all need to pay attention. She's up next. And I was like, who is this? Because people don't dance anymore. People exactly. do not and dance and put on shows with mm-hmm. hair just going I was like okay who is this and then I listened to a couple songs and I was like all right I'm hip <laughs> <laughs> didn't take much no not at all and this a really interesting thing I found out about Victoria Monet is that when she was first coming onto the scene and making music she used to open for Ariana Grande and mm. on Ariana Grande's Dangerous Woman tour 
Victoria Monet, she's a very new artist. She doesn't have a record label backing her or anything like that. So she had to open for Ariana, perform, mm-hmm. but she had no dancers, no backup singers, no I band. She had to like put on a show just herself with yep. what she had, and she had mm-hmm. to learn from the bottom. Like, yeah, that's how kids used to do it at the mall. The boy <laughs> dance. They used to have nothing. They used to be at the mall and just oh put on a God. show with a few people in the crowd until it got big and people were mm. screaming. But that's exactly how, like, you know, the work that people used to put in for their craft. Yes. So she really did start from the bottom, and now she's here. And I'm so happy for her, and I'm so incredibly proud of her and her achievements and her accomplishments, really. And also of Coco Jones as well, because she also yeah. won a Grammy. Yeah. And, you know, if y'all saw Let It Shine on Disney Channel, then you already know. This girl's been a star since she, yeah. she was very young. It's well-deserving. Her voice is beautiful. Like, her Absolutely. voice. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she know what she doing. Like, she, mm-hmm. like, I know acting is in there, but, like, I hope she knows that, like, she will always have fans for her singing and just her voice alone. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm just happy for both of them. I'm glad that they both get the chance to uh, be recognized on such a large stage as the Grammys and Mm -hmm. receive these awards because it's not something that should be taken in vain. It's not something that's easy. It's something that comes with a lot of hard work. And Coco has been singing for, like, over 10 years mm-hmm. and she has been waiting for her moment and her moment has come and i just feel like she deserved it you know and for the songs like and yes. we're just gonna get the songs along like well deserved yes absolutely and i'm just excited to see what's next for them um I'm just excited to see what else they have planned for them and i know like a lot of things happen out of the grammys like jc's speech and then taylor's speech and then like mm-hmm. miley finally winning her first grammy as well i was, and... so, happy. I was so happy i was so happy <laughs> I, was I was so proud of her i was like first yeah like, <laughs> really she's been putting out bops for years and like Absolutely. high quality songs too for her mm-hmm. to be 16 17 like the climb that alone yeah. probably should have got something butterfly fly away like the hannah mm. montana movie alone had really good songs so good for her <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh yeah it's, but i just wanted to focus on those two things because this made me very happy and i feel like it gives perspective to a lot of creatives and it gives perspective to a lot of people because when you see all these like huge a-list stars you don't really like know how they got there or a lot of people don't know their story and what it took for you to get to those heights and for coco jones and especially victoria there were people Uh online claiming that victoria was like an industry plant and to that i yes and there are also people claiming that someone else is an industry plant a renee rap is an industry plant as well I don't, I don't know about Renee Rapp too much, but I like her interview style. Mm. I will, <laughs> but for Victoria, like I will say, not knowing her, like a lot of how a lot of my friends do, you know, s- songs that may not be mainstream. 
hearing her speak at the Grammys and hearing her story made me resonate with her more and like her more. Cause it's like, okay, you have to really overcome a lot. Then I'm starting to see little things on TikTok. I'm starting to see those Ariana Grande concert performances. And I'm yeah. starting to see like, she's a mom and she's juggling all of this. And I've seen her interviews of like, how after having her daughter, she didn't know what to go in the studio and talk about. So mm-hmm. she ended up making on my mom. And I was like, okay, like, I really like you because like, I'm starting to know more of you. And you seem to have like a beautiful personality. Like mm-hmm. she seems like the sweetest person in the world. So I hats off to her for everything that she had to go through to get to the point that she's at now. Yeah. And I did want to say, like, in terms of Renee Rapp, she has been um, in musical theater basically her whole life. She performed at the Jimmy Awards, which is kind of like the high school version of the Tonys, where basically all the best, like, musical theater kids perform there and, like, they try to win awards. And she performed there. And I think she did win an award. And then after that performance, she got cast as... Regina George in Mean Girls the Musical on Broadway and then after that had that production stopped due to COVID she then was on Sex Lives of College Girls on HBO Max and then from there she started releasing music and then she got on you know Mean Girls the movie that came out in 2024 so Renee Rapp isn't an industry clap by any means at all and I feel like people just throw that term around for people that they don't know you know, like this person is coming up, they're popular. They to them at one time and they don't know their story. They're like industry plan. Yeah. It's like, no, like I've seen this person in concert two years ago. Like, um, El is it El Bonner? No, not El Bonner. Elama, Elama, mm. um, doing Kaylani tours. And she was doing booed up like two years before it came out, I think. And mm. I was seeing it. And when she finally came out and it was everywhere, people were like, she's an industry plan and blah, blah, blah. I was like, she's no. been singing one song for two years guys like I saw her open for Kehlani two years ago like what are y'all talking about so Mm. when people don't know what people have been through they're just like industry playing you got it easy you got it because of this like it's so easy to say things like that just because you don't see someone come out the mud doesn't mean like they got there so easily like they're just dropped in there out of nowhere it's very unlikely I mean for some people it happens but like Mm -hmm. that's not the case for everybody yeah yeah, but I'm very, very, very proud of her and I'm very happy for her. And it's very sweet how she like incorporates her daughter and all these yes. little things. Yes. She has matching dresses with her and she like, they were on the carpet like, you want lollipops? Like they mm-hmm. were like, she's with her mom. And I loved every moment about that. I think yes. she threw her Grammy party if I'm not mistaken. Yes, she did. She, yeah, she's serious and I, I like it. Like, you know, this is a once in a lifetime thing. You don't know how many times you're going to have this opportunity. That's very true. And I just hold them in my heart and I can't wait to see what else is next for them. Uh, so all my love to Victoria Monet. Um, on a not so bright note, I did see this trailer come up on my TikTok feed the other day. And I was just curious to see if you saw it and your opinion on it. But Wendy Williams, it appears that she is kind of coming back into the spotlight. And she's going to be talking about why she left her daytime talk show due to a lot of health problems and she has a new lifetime documentary coming out called where is wendy williams and essentially Mm -hmm. the documentary follows wendy and her family and friends and basically just reflecting on like what happened to her and how she lost the show and also speaking with her family and friends about like what's going on in her personal life and any kind of 
problems that she's been having and the documentary isn't coming out until it's going to debut saturday and sunday february 24th and 25th on lifetime so mm-hmm. i was just wondering um if you've heard about it and like what are your thoughts on that i saw the preview for it. i watched the original one so there is like a maybe one two possibly three parter um of this already available on i have hulu live so i watch everything for lifetime on hulu live um but there is like a, a beginner part already about like what her husband did how she had the show when she got mm-hmm. sick she explains all of that now her body and like her behavior wasn't where it is now so when she was explaining it, she kind of looked healthy. She kind of looked like she did on the show, the Wendy we were used to. But watching the preview that I watched, I was like, Ugh, do I want to review this? Do I want to talk about this? Because I know Wendy Williams has like a lot of, you know, heat around her because she was so negative about people and she would gossip about people. But like she was mm-hmm. a character played into what we as the viewers wanted. And so seeing even just a regular person like that, it's like, ooh, do I want to take advantage of whatever this is and talk about it and give it a platform but also she's giving it a platform so there must be a reason that she's doing it but yeah. also she, as she said before she's a commentator she likes to talk she that's always been her job even as a kid she loved to talk as a child she was the most talkative so it could just be she wants to talk and tell her own story because she's told so many people's story in her lifetime that she knows how bad that can be if someone else has your story so I'm thinking about reviewing it for my followers. We talk about Wendy Williams a lot. I like Wendy Williams. I liked her show. Um, very unfortunate, everything that's happened to her, um, especially with her health and the fact that she can't even do the things that she loves, like radio and TV anymore. Mm-hmm. I plan on it. I just don't know if I'm going to review it. I'm I'm skeptical on it. Yeah. I feel, I feel a little bit torn in the same way you do. Because I did used to watch Wendy Williams when she came on in the mornings, and I liked her video. I liked her show for what it was, but mm-hmm. you know when she had some negative opinions, I knew it was because like maybe she's like old school, but like nonetheless, like how you feel about certain things, she'll just say it, and she'll always yeah. be honest about how she feels. So you have to re- admire it to a certain extent, and mm-hmm. I guess seeing her so abruptly leave the public and everything in regards to like her guardianship her husband like all those issues it was very tough to see that like play out especially in public because yeah even though she has made a career talking about other people's lives and talking about gossip and blind items and all that stuff when it then becomes your life that's in the mm-hmm. tabloids and it's your life that's in the headlines it's a very different story and previously it was like her husband cheating on her now that's right. difficult that's hard but then when yeah. it becomes like you're losing your livelihood and you're losing your job that's something so hard to reconcile with especially if it's something that you built up throughout your mm-hmm. entire career you've built your life around this this is your platform this is your show this is something that you earn off of like a radio show like she really made history with the show that she had and Mm -hmm. for her to lose it was really like sad and i do want to watch the documentary to get a better understanding and just to see like where she is now in her life but i also have the feeling of like i don't know if i can i don't know if i can it's kind of weird. It's kind of like, um, not even a segue to something else, but kind of like the Selena, um, the Yolanda documentary, how everyone's yeah. like, why are we, why do we have this? You already confessed to this. Like, what is the need for this? And mm-hmm. I'm to watch that too, because it's like, what could you tell us? You already 
admitted to all of this. You already said what it was. You've been in jail for all of these years. It is what mm -hmm. it is. The facts. But I'm kind of like, mm, maybe there's something new in there that we don't know about that I can learn about and possibly review. So I'm in that like weird space where my job is to report about things, but some things I'm kind of just like, like, what's the point of this? What information are we going to get from this? But I think Wendy Williams is an artist, kind of like we would see Beyonce or anybody else that would put out a documentary or a biography or anything like that. And she understands media. And again, like I said, telling her own story and the value in telling your own story. So I do think I'm just going to bypass it and go ahead and watch it because I I don't know her background stuff, but I don't think she would put out her story like this without, you know, some meaning or some reason behind it. Like there's no reason to tell all of this if there's no reasoning behind it. So I'm going to watch it because I feel like, again, like I said, she's an artist and she's putting her art out there in some type of way. It's just not the visual that we would appreciate or that we're used to from Wendy Williams. Yeah, that's very true. Um, it being like, it all acts as past to her life and what's going on with her is definitely something that isn't done oftentimes because I feel like we're seeing a lot more like biopics happening mm -hmm. and not as many like documentaries or not a lot of like tell-alls really when it comes to like celebrities in their life like we did have like Britney and the documentaries that followed her guardianship but when it comes to like I guess people that we know and people that are very controversial like it's not very often that someone will like completely wear their heart on their sleeve and yeah. just like let you see like the good the bad and the ugly that's going on in their life so there's that draw I think the only close thing that we've gotten to that for real was like maybe the Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston reality show. Mm -hmm. And it's like, they kind of told us what was going on behind the scenes, but it was like, as a viewer, you knew like, oh, they're, you know, so I think that's as close as we've seen the good and bad for real. Yeah, that's true. Um, I honestly, I feel like I'm just gonna have to like wait and see. You're gonna wait? I. <laughs> I feel like I might end up watching it. Like, I think that I may end up watching it. And I might end up watching it with my mom because she mm -hmm. knows who Wendy Williams is and she watched her from time to time. And, like, sometimes when these things come out and, like, I'm not sure, like, how I'm going to feel, I just want to watch it with my mom because she's kind of, like, she's Haitian, so she mm. doesn't really have a filter. So okay. if I'm watching something and I really don't know how to feel about it, I'll just look at her and be like, what do you think? She's like... <laughs> ah you know Monica it's like you know she kind of like she'll give me her opinion and I'll be like mm, I see what you mean I see what you mean okay did you watch the first I think it was like I think it was one or two it could possibly be three but did you watch the first installments on Lifetime I didn't know there were already installments on Lifetime that's the thing I think they came out I want to say during COVID maybe a little after COVID I can be mistaken but I want to say it's like two parts and she goes in deep about what her husband did um, people talk about how her husband used to come in the studio and threaten people. If an mm. artist threatened her, you know, he would pull up to the studio ready to fight them. Like they tell everything behind the scenes and why she stopped the show and how he's taking her money. So that was me learning about that part and like from the horse's mouth itself um, instead of from like an article or something like that. But I don't know what she's going to talk about now because it just looks like her health is bad. Mm hmm. Right. Um, I think I'd have to look that up and see if I could watch it online because I do have Hulu, but I don't have Hulu live. So 
Oh no, we'll wait and see. But I'll definitely, they're, I... they're selective about what they put on Hulu Live. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, they are. I'll have to do my Google to figure out if I can find that online and watch that. Oh, excuse me. But I'm just wishing the best for Wendy, honestly. Yeah, I'm. I am. I wish she could come back in some type of capacity. Like, yeah, it's just pop culture topics that come up, and I'm like, dang. Like, Dude. I know Wendy was mean, but honestly, like, so many things have happened in the past years that I need Wendy's opinion on. Yeah, like, so many things have happened in the past two months of this year, yeah. and I'm like, where's Wendy Williams? Yes. I need your opinion with you. Like, I need to, like, when Kanye popped out with his new girl who looked exactly like Kim Kardashian, I was like, Wendy, we need you. Somebody send her the bat signal. Like, let, yes, her know. Let, her, let her say something. Put her on YouTube. Put her Please. somewhere. Like, get that chair and let her sit down. Yeah. And I feel like with Wendy coming and having her show, it did open the doors for a lot of people to have a show. Like, obviously, um, Sherry Shepard who was uh-huh. the host of season 13 for the Wendy Williams show. And then there's Jennifer Hudson and then the uh-huh. real, I feel like yep. the real was supposed to be like, this was like counteract Wendy Williams. Cause Wendy Williams is very much like real authentic. She's going to say what she thinks. And the real, even though the show is called the real, how often is it that they are very like controversial? Yeah. I haven't watched the real. I'm a view type of girl, but I yeah. uh, which one was the one that was the real the one that Tia was on? Yes. I tried it when Tia was on only because of Tia. I will mm. say that. That was my draw. There was no other draw for me for that show because there was no mm. controversial people. And yeah. how what was about Tamar? Tamar, yes. But also I didn't see her as a talk show host. And usually, like, those people that sit at those head tables, like, at that head seat, are, like, going to hold that controversial topic. So when Tamar was there, I was like, okay, cool. But then when Tia was there, was it? No, Tamara. It's Tamara. I'm so sorry. When Tamara was there, I was like, she's kind of softish. Like, she's very gentle. She's very, like, mom and hug you. Like, she's not a hard hitter like Tamar or Whoopi or Wendy. Like, we need those type of people Mm -hmm. at those yeah, and I know that with Lonnie, she would try to, I think she tried to bring that factor into the show after Tamar left, but it wasn't the same because Tamar really did say what she thought. Because, like, I used to watch. Yes, she's very funny. <laughs> and if you watch Braxton Family Values, you know, like. Yes. If you're not going to leave that man, let that man cheat in peace. I mean, in peace. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you know, you know. If you know, you know. And yeah. for me, it was like her, but then Adrian is like a kind of a softy to me. Like I never saw Adrian in a controversial topic type of field. Yeah. Um, when Amanda was on there, I was like, okay, that's mm-hmm. a person. That's a person to be on there that's gonna say what she wants, how she wants, yeah, and the speed that she wants. Like, but I didn't think she had any heavy hitters to go against on that right. show for her to have those open opinions like she does. And it's hard because like even though Lonnie can have that controversial take, she's not really going to, like, have that bite to mm-hmm. her co- opinions. So with Amanda on the show, she was the only person who really, like, was outspoken and, like, said what was on her mind and said everything with her chest. And then there's Jeannie, there's Adrian, and then there's Tamara, who are all going to be softballs. So yep. then it's only Amanda coming with, like, a and very... Yeah, she's- 
the aggressor on yeah. the show, the angry person. And it's like, no, she's just doing what the show's platform is for yes. to have real conversations. Yes. But you are, you have her surrounded by like softballs and that's not what she needs. She needs like heavy hitters mm-hmm. around her, at least one to go back and forth with. Yeah. And that's what works with the view and the real. No, yeah. the view and the talk. The because, talk. Because everybody on there, they have their opinions. They're going to stand by their opinions. And if somebody disagrees, if somebody disagrees, but they'll defend it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And no one's really going to like placate um, the conversation just to like make everything nice. Yeah. You know, like we're going to have a conversation. We're all grown women. We're not all going to see eye to eye, but we're going to yeah, talk we'll about it. We'll be like filter it a little bit and be like, hey, remember this is Disney. Like, remember we got rules. But for the most part, if Sonny has a problem with something, I can't, Alyssa, if mm. Sonny has a problem with Alyssa and they don't like each other and they're going head to head for two commercial breaks, they let them have it. They're like, okay, what's the solution that you guys got? Y'all don't have one. We'll get back to it later. Like, right. but the ability for Sunny being a lawyer and Alyssa, I forget what Alyssa does, but it, them having that type of conversation and being able to go to head to head because they have that education, they have that bite, they have yeah. that drive. But yeah. Amanda didn't have anybody. Now, would Amanda do good on The View? I don't think so because like her views are so much different and I feel like she would go somewhere else with it, but I think she does need to be on a platform with strong women holding a conversation and yeah. like having that area to speak. Yeah, that's very true. She does need that. And I mean, Amanda's pretty set. Like she has her Instagram live. She has her podcast. Yeah. <laughs> she's more than she good. Thank you with these people. Like she's good. I mean, there was a reason why they asked her to be on the show. Obviously yeah. she has a draw. So I would love to see her in some kind of capacity on like late night, if not a morning show. Because I feel like late night may work a little bit better for her. But I... I feel like it, but late night would be good. I think late night on like I don't want to say a Comedy Central or anything because it would be serious, obviously, but it would have mm-hmm. some funny undertones to it. I don't think BT Plus is the platform. I think maybe like um, where is um? I can't think. Trevor Noah. Where's Trevor Noah? Trevor Noah was on Comedy Central. Now he has a podcast on Spotify. So. Okay. Maybe Comedy Central, but I think she would have only like a little bit of comedic undertone. I think everything else would be pretty hard hitting and serious topics. And I think she would like really get in her like her guests, like not in a rude way, but like in a really trying to make their mind go and figure out where they are on certain topics. I think she would be really good. I feel like she kind of be like, I don't want to be rude in this, but like the opposite of Drew Barrymore. Where Drew yes. Barrymore is like, <laughs> she's Drew's like your hand, yes. like braiding your and hair, I'm sitting in your lap. Oh, um, how do you feel about this? Let's let's get deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Like, let's really dive into this. Like, let's figure out what's going on. You know, how do I you feel? feel? Like Amanda wouldn't care if you cried. Drew's gonna be like, oh my god, do you need a hug? Here's yeah, some tissue. Yeah, Amanda yeah. would be like, let's talk about this response you're having. <laughs> Why are you crying? How? Why do you feel this emotion? Do you talk think I care me. about your tears? <laughs> oh my gosh yeah but um can't wait to see what happens to the wendy williams uh biopic and there have been a couple of new releases that have been announced recently um Mm -hmm. x-men 97 is coming out 
It is supposed to be coming out at the end of March, I believe, and it'll be streaming on Disney Plus. And I think that this is basically like a continuation of the oh. X Men, the animated series that ran from 1992 to 1997 on Fox. So it's basically picking up where things left off with the original show. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then the Umbrella Academy is coming back for their fourth and final season which is great i'm gonna be honest i stopped watching umbrella academy after season two because i'm gonna be honest i didn't go past episode one but <laughs> that was just me that was just me. episode one but i kept up with like the trends and the conversation that was going on on like twitter and the same thing as watching it or x i should say but That's i kept the same up thing as watching it I kept up with the conversation, so I knew what was going on. Um, but no, I didn't watch it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to lie. Like, for season three, I was thinking about jumping in and watching it. But I just felt like, mm, this twist, like, there's a twist at the end of season two that obviously, like, you know, makes you think, oh, I can't wait for season three. But in my mind, I was just kind of like, but do I really need to watch it? Like, this is the actor from Juno, correct? Yes, Elliot Page. Okay, yes. The show, The Umbrella Academy, is about these seven kids who were all born on the same day and all had these special powers. And so this rich man went around the world and adopted all these kids and started training them to be superheroes. And he was a really terrible dad. And they had a robot mom and a monkey that raised them. And then... um. One day, all the kids left, except one kid, Luther, he stayed with the dad, but the dad put him on Mars, on the moon, for, like, some special mission, and then one day the dad died, so they all went back home for the funeral, and then the one of their siblings went missing, I think, on one of the missions, and then the sibling just comes back out of nowhere, like, literally out of Porter out of the sky, and he's like, guys, the, the world's gonna end in seven days, like, we have to save the world. I think that's the plot for every single season. Like, the world is I'm going to end. In- like, I'm slightly intrigued, maybe. You said you maybe. watched the first episode, though. That's literally yeah, the first episode. Watch the first episode and kind of just, like... So, I'm a person that, like, when I watch stuff, I watch it to, like, see what it's like. And then I go back and watch it to actually comprehend what I'm watching and see everything. Because, like... Okay, so I might watch something the first time and be like, oh, it's beautiful. Look at that artwork. Look at that. And not really pay attention to the full story because I'm just like looking at other stuff. Yes, I'm. Cha- that's why I have a chaotic page. That's why I recap the page. <laughs> what? Because, like, okay, so let me give you an, uh, 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 um, an example. So like the maid. Okay. We're going to jump into that soon. But for the maid, like when I first watched the first time, it was during COVID. So it was like the hype of seeing it on social media. So I was like, oh, let me check it out. And I watched it for what it was, just like a show and went through it. I binged it. And mm-hmm. I was set, like, I didn't really comprehend anything. Not that it was a bad show. It was just like, I was just watching it to be like, I watched it. So then I went back and I was like, okay, episode one. All right, so this is the character. This is her storyline, blah, blah, blah. So then I really get into like the logistics of the ap- actual episode. And I'm kind of like that with music too. Like if I'm listening to Kanye's new album, for example, I listen to the beat because he's a producer before anything. So I'm not listening to his lyrics at all. I'm listening to what beat is going on. Can it catch me? How does How do I feel listening to it? What did he sample? Like that's what I'm going through. And then the second listen is like, okay, what is he saying in the words? What are the lyrics? What's the chorus? How is he tying all of this together to get a firm understanding? But that first listen, 
I'm music. I'm like, what is this beat like? What did he get some Chicago inspiration? Did he get African inspiration? I'm listening solely for the beat purposes before I'm listening for the lyricism. If that makes sense. I I think that I get what you're saying because I know a lot of other people that like also like review TV and TV and movies in the same way where they'll watch a show or movie first and they'll just like watch it. And the second yeah. round, they will take notes and they'll like pause yeah. things and like, you know, like look I'm at little details. And it's because you can't be fully present and like really pay attention to everything because you want to watch it for enjoyment the first time. Because as someone mm -hmm. that does take notes, like I'll take like six pages of a movie if I'm watching it to make sure I get the characters, the setting, the dates. I don't want to say anything wrong. So the second time I'm going, it's not fun. It's not enjoyable. It's not like this breath of fresh air compared to the first time when I'm just like dumbly watching like, wow, this mm -hmm. is so good. But like when I have to go back, then I'm like, okay. And then Kayla went to the movies and the movies, da, 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 da. So like once I have to go back for that, it kind of takes away that spark of the movie. So I like to dumbly binge things first and then go back and fully comprehend what's going on. Okay, I I get what you're saying now. I yeah. Now. <laughs> Once okay. you like, I watched American Fiction yesterday and yeah. I got to really enjoy it because I wasn't like, oh, I'm going in to review this. So it was like really me watching it and getting like serious laughs. And like, I really fell in love with the characters. I didn't finish it yet, but like, it was really like enjoying to watch for the very first time compared to if I would have went into it like, Oh, I'm gonna watch this and review it for my show, and then I would have had to pause it every 30 seconds and been like, okay, and then da, 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 and that's yeah. not takes away from the whole experience, honestly. Right, right. Watching it dumbly and just being like, and then going back and be like, oh, that was her mom. Like, oh, okay, cool. Like that makes it a little better sometimes, but just watch it dumbly first. If you're reviewing movies for me, makes it better. Got it. I totally get what you're saying. I see I see what you mean there. Um, I think when I watch things, like when I'm watching TV and movies, I'm already kind of like, not always, but like, if it's a new release, and because now I've started like writing for like different blogs, um, I try to keep up now with like, more new releases, especially with streaming services. And when I start watching it, I'm just kind of like noting little things, you know, because like, if you watch certain genres, like horror, drama, anime whatever it might be there are always certain elements that follow each show and there mm -hmm. are always like those staples that kind of stand out to you so when you're watching something new you could oh i always like draw from those things whenever i have to review it like recently i watched a new anime series on netflix called delicious and dungeon because i planned on reviewing it and i listened to it i was watching it because um one of my favorite twitch streamers he is like a voice actor and he did okay. the English dub. So when I was watching it, I was like noting like how the way they present the food in the show um, is very similar to how they present the food in like Studio Ghibli movies. Like it's very appetizing. It looks very fresh. It's like very picturesque. And then like the adventure, the humor, the comedy, and like the different kind of like um, elements to like the characters. And I just kind of categorize it in my brain. I'm like, okay. And I just like kind of write it out. And like, you know how people like when they wake up in the morning, they just like word vomit when they journal. They just like write everything down. That's how I am with reviews. I'm just like, I'm writing everything I remember about this movie, everything I thought, everything I felt. And then like from there, we just edit it. So that's how people I watch things. To review, we don't get to watch movies like normal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
we don't it, it's always crazy when people are in my comments like can you watch this can you watch i'm like do y'all know how long it takes to sit and watch something and like make sure i'm getting things right and yeah. then like going to find pictures online yeah. to tell a story like it's not that simple especially if you want me to tell it right like if you want me to really make you feel like you watched it and I have an understanding of what I watch. I need to really watch this. And it's not like a 30 minute thing. These are like three hour movies. Guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the so, thing is, that's what I love about your TikToks because when you are talking about things, whether it was like the Grammys or like a TV show or a movie, I can see that you understand it so deeply and intricately. So when you're like jumping from point to point to point, it's so funny to me because I'm like, that's exactly what I thought when I was watching that. Like you read my mind. <laughs> And I always laugh a little bit because I'm like, okay, who's going to get this pop culture reference? Who's going to get this movie reference? <laughs> are they going to be like, what are you talking about? And then when yeah. you guys get yes. Yeah, I feel you. I feel on that. Um, okay, so The Umbrella Academy, both of us, neither of us are probably going to watch it. But, you know, for those who care, it's coming out very soon, just so you know. Let you know. Yeah, I think it's coming out in August, actually, so... I mean, you guys have plenty of time to like rewatch the series before the. Time. Yeah, yeah, more than enough time. And then Fantastic Four, the casting was announced for Fantastic Four, so it's been solidified, and a lot of people are talking about it. Um, let me see, because I have the article in front of me. So Pedro Pascal is playing Reed Richards, Vanessa Kirby is playing Sue Storm, Joseph Quinn is playing Johnny Storm, and Ebon Moss Bachrock is playing Ben Grimm, a.k.a. The Thing. And okay. the movie is set to come out July 25th, 2025. Is it going to be in theaters or streaming? It's going to be in theaters, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah, I saw um, I saw that online and it caught my eye because Cousin from The Bear mm-hmm. is... And I'm just getting into The Bear. I love it. I'm yes. so... You know, I can't it's... get out... <laughs> I love it. It's so good. I was driving in Chicago and I pulled over. My friends don't watch it. I pulled over in front of the actual restaurant because I was turning the corner. I was like, that's Mr. Beast. And I pulled over and they were like, why are you pulling over? I was like, y'all don't watch the bear? Like, what are y'all talking about? Oh my gosh. That's so, I was so jealous because I do love the show, The Bear. It's honestly one of the most anxiety ridden shows I've ever watched and yet I love even more for that it's so calm to me like when people are in my comments like what are you talking about I was like it's so calm like this is regular Chicago like it's very loud and like everything's mm-hmm. the whole time you have to talk in a meeting while the train is like right there and people are yelling outside it, that's how it is so like for me mm-hmm. once I finally got into it I was like oh I don't know what y'all are talking about. They're not loud. This is normal. <laughs> Honestly, when I was watching the restaurant scenes, it reminded me of working in a restaurant. And I was like, this is, this is too real for me. This, <laughs> like when I saw like Jeremy Allen White for me personally, looks exactly like every single line cook I've ever met. Like every white line cook looks like Jeremy Allen White. Like, even if they don't have the same body type, like, his attitude, his personality, the way he never smiles and he doesn't, like, he's just, like, completely, like, get to work! Like, I heard they had to, like, actually train at a restaurant before. And I've seen a lot of comments of people who are actual chefs, like, this is how it really is. Like, this is authentic. They they got it right. They are cooking on the show. 
they are doing it like they are chopping those vegetables like it is real down to like this every single detail i love that about the show everything like the episodes that focus on certain characters like season two so good and also i love go ahead I'm just getting into it. Like I just started. Oh, sorry, I forgot. I'm so sorry. <laughs> People have been saying, "Get ready for the Thanksgiving episode." So, like, I've been trying to hurry up so I can. Don't hurry get... up. Just savor it. Just savor the show. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's 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 a phenomenal show. Like the first season is so great, and I personally love the bear so much because I feel like. The first season was really good, but didn't really have, like, the same commercial success as other shows that FX do. And I uh-huh. feel like The Bear is a perfect study for, like, new shows in the year of the 2000s, of the uh-huh. 2020s. Because we see so many shows that come out in, like, the first season. Streaming services, networks, studios expect the show to be, like, a hit the second mm-hmm. the show comes out. And that's very unlikely. And that is a ridiculous precedent to set for every single new show you have. And so it is more like, honestly, it makes more sense for you to have a show have one season and then another season because people mm-hmm. are more likely to watch something if you renew it. Because if there's especially, more to. Sorry, especially those shows with like eight episodes or yep. 10 episodes. Like, you don't even have 20-something episodes for me to really judge this show by or really lock in for. And it's only an hour. You got eight episodes. Like, what am I supposed to get out of this? You're not exactly. telling me a story in eight, se- in eight episodes of a season. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I'm glad you love the bear. I'm very yes. happy. I, I rewatched it maybe, I think the first time I kind of just zoned out. I was maybe doing my hair and I was like, ah, I don't see the hype. And then the second time I like sat there, no phone, no doing anything. And I was like, damn, this show is really good. Like, yeah. this is like the acting is good. And I think I was a little nervous because it's based in Chicago. I'm very judgmental as a Chicagoan, very judgmental of something that's being filmed in our city. Like, yeah. do you have? accent right do you have where, where are you at where are you saying you're on the south side and you're on the suburbs like i know don't do that and so that part and then him being lip and still being based in chicago i was like oh this is just lip like i don't want to yeah. see him again like he's gonna be homeless and da-da-da. i like judged it way before fully watching it and so uh-huh. once i gave a chance i was like okay like i see and io oh my god Amazing. i was like because everybody was talking about her. They was like, she's awkward and da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, okay, let me check it out. And I was like, she's not awkward. I mean, she's awkward, oh, but like, I like it's her. It's endearing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's endearing. <laughs> Leave my girl alone. Okay. Um, I can't remember his name. The one that wants to make donuts. Um, Marcus? Yes. I love him. The instant when he like just wanted to learn and I was like, he just wants to learn. Oh my like, gosh. He wants to do everything properly. He wants to yes. be a proper chef. He wants to be a proper cook. And I saw that in him, like the very first episode, the moment yes. they told him he did something right, he was like, okay. It was like that spark in his eye. Yeah. And you were like, okay, he's about to, he's about to get serious. Him sleeping. There, okay. I'm not going to tell everybody everything, but y'all, it's so good. <laughs> I love him so much. Honestly, he is one of my favorites of the show, especially Tita, like season two. You'll see a whole turnaround for Tita. Like, you're going to be rooting for her. Yeah. Um, so it's such a good show. And I like that there's not a lot of cast members. Like, I yeah. can really lock in with every cast member because it's not a lot. I love Cousin. 
Um, because I know people in Chicago who run their businesses like that. Like, I think it was that first episode or second episode when they had that, um, that game tournament and he had to go out there and get the crowd together. I was like, that's really how people (laughs) run businesses downtown. (laughs) They really don't care. They'll literally be like, you're going to go in my establishment, (laughs) buy three drinks and then you're going to leave. Exactly. Oh gosh, love that. Um, okay, and then the last new release we'll like talk about is Invincible, season two, part two comes back in March. Um, I still don't know why they split the show up into two parts, but they did that, so that's coming out. Are you watching Invincible by any chance? No, you... How many episodes is in a season for them to split it up like that? I think there are ten episodes, either eight or ten episodes in the season. It's a very, very good show. It's animated and it is pretty graphic. Um, I don't know why, but a lot of Amazon Prime shows are like very graphic. It's very, yeah. And it's not that different from like Netflix shows, but Amazon Prime doesn't have as many shows. So for most of your heavy hitters to be like incredibly violent and graphic, it's just kind of like, this is a strange common denominator for you to have. I think they're trying probably like is it was it showtime back in the day that probably had like frontal nudity and or hbo maybe they're trying to be like that division of like netflix is kind of like you know pg-13-esque we're gonna just be where you can watch everything you want to watch graphically so maybe they're taking that stance compared to the other streaming platforms yeah that just makes sense it could be that yes but I'm excited for Invincible to come back because I love the show and I haven't been watching season two yet because I'm waiting for the whole season to drop and then I'm going to binge it. Like I'm going to start from season one and then get all the way to season two, which I feel like it's going to like epically destroy me, but I'm very excited and I cannot wait. (laughs) So guys, that was Media Mania. So we're going to jump right into our conversation about Made. Made is a Netflix series, um, stars Margaret Qualley. As the main character, she plays Alexandra Alex Russell, and Made is a show about a young girl who is a mother, and one day she's had enough. Her boyfriend, who has been abusive, basically emotionally abusive to her, she decides to leave him, take her daughter, and try and go at it on her own. And the show is essentially following her life and everything that comes up from her leaving him and all the struggles she has to deal with. And the show is based off of a memoir by Stephanie Land called Made, Hard Work, Low Pay, and a Mother's Will to Survive. And this show Mm -hmm. is a very popular show that came out on Netflix. It was released back in 2020, right? Or like... I think 2021, one of those. 2020 or 2021. It was COVID times for sure. Okay, 2021, yeah. But I feel like Made is like the perfect show of like the catch-22 of being poor. Like Mm -hmm. having to like struggle and make it on your own. Both having to deal with like the expenses that come up in life. And like all the things you have to deal with and like all these other stuff. And honestly, Made is such a powerful show for me. It's such an amazing show. It's so well written and it's Mm -hmm. so intricate. But I feel like... It is the most realistic depiction I've seen of what it like of what it's like to be like a single mother, to be a survivor of like domestic abuse, to be on your own and trying to survive it on your own, and just yeah. showing like how it's not that easy to pull yourself up by your bootstraps because Alex, with all the things that she has to deal with, she shows such amazing and I feel like 
such incredible resolve and determination in everything that she does. And I find it very admirable. And I just love the show so much. Like, it was something that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, I like the simplicity of the acting because it kind of was like documentary style if you really look at it. It wasn't yeah. like, it didn't seem like a show. It didn't seem scripted. It didn't seem like actors. It seemed like this was her real life. This was real anxiety and panic that she had. And she was really, you know, fighting for her daughter's safety. And mm -hmm. her mom had her problems. And, oh, you know, yeah. every, everything was like hitting her every day. And it didn't yes. seem TV show. It literally seemed like she had some documentary cameras following her around and mm -hmm. we were getting into what it's like to be a domestic violence victim. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So from the start of the show, it's Alex. She leaves her boyfriend and mm -hmm. she's basically going to, I think it's like um, an aid office or something. She's going to a social yeah. worker and the social worker tells her that she needs two pay stubs to qualify for subsidized housing and she decides to get a job as value maids. Mm -hmm. And then she has to go work for this lady, Regina, who lives on this island or has to get a ferry to go to. And my surprise, when I see Anika Rose <laughs> in this show, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. Yes. Hey, girl. And she that girl a run for her buddy the first couple days. Yep. <laughs> she did not like her. No. But no. later on, like, you know, it they grew into each other. And yes. you see later on how women have each other's back through and mm -hmm. through. And that they you don't even have to tell you didn't have she didn't have to tell Anika Noni Rose's character what was going on. She figured it out and she was like, I'm gonna make sure you get some type of sign for me to call me and you mm -hmm. call me when you can. So it really does highlight how women, you know, in the darkest times will see other women and assist them when they can. Yeah. And that's very important because it's very hard to ask for help, especially in those circumstances, because for Alex, even though her boyfriend like never hit her or hurt her physically, he has like demeaned her and he makes her feel less than and worthless. And she just feels safe in the home that she's in with him. And she doesn't want to like put that on Regina because she's a maid. She's there to work. She's there to just like, you know, do her job. But if you faint, in my house on like the first day it's like right what's going on girl you okay okay are you, you good <laughs> do you need something you need water yeah. what's going on? Like... i'll help you out if you need it really yeah i ended up watching the first episode and then um be while i was getting ready for the podcast i ended up doing some research and i found a youtube channel for um, a domestic violence home or a resource center. And they watched it um, along with uh, each other with the screen showing. And they kind of just like talked us through and they were like, this is real panic. This is real anxiety. She's mm -hmm. watching them sleep. Um, so in the beginning episodes, she's kind of like laying in bed, but she's awake and she's watching him breathing. And yeah. they kind of, most domestic violence victims, um, they say um, lack of sleep was one of their biggest things because they don't know what's going to happen when they go to sleep and mm -hmm. who they're going to protect or if they can protect themselves so they're like this first scene is so accurate her trying to slip out of the bed her getting to her car you know that panic that anxiety as a viewer that I feel of her trying to escape and get her child out of there yeah. um something that was so real and then her trying them telling her I think it was like um when she went to the A office they were like for her to get her child in daycare she had to have two pay stubs but she needs to put her child in daycare in order to get a job so like what do y'all want right. her to do like she's right. saying she's really, and then I think um 
they also talked about um, how she didn't say she was abused because she didn't know how to say, you know, I haven't been hit, but he does do this. And so she didn't know to put the word abuse to it because that's not usually what's shown or talked about in terms of abuse. Yeah, that is true. I did watch that. I did see that clip also in my research. And I think there are so many parts about the show that when I was watching it, it's just like in my head, I'm like, I would have never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Like when it comes to like domestic violence, like I would have never considered that. Like her friend, Danielle, um, the friend that she meets when she finally gets into like housing, Danielle is mm-hmm. someone who's like super kind, super nice. She seems like someone who's very extroverted and you know, it's like, Oh, she's a new buddy. She's a new pal. It's like, this happens every time. <laughs> yeah. It just seems to get easier for Alex. And things seem to, like, be getting a little bit better. Like, she can breathe. And then things go wrong. And it sucks because, like, Danielle was really the person who had her back because she... This is <laughs> this is a long conversation. But, like, when um, it was Regina. When Regina was upset with the way that Alex had cleaned her chairs, like the patio <laughs> furniture. And so Danielle told her to steal her dog or, like, do something <laughs> to her. And then Alex is like, no, of course not. And then what does Danielle do? Always be funny to me. <laughs> what does she do? She sold the dog. Took that dog right up out of here. Right, exactly. Stash that dog right up. And then, you know, um, she calls Regina and lets her know, like, I found your dog. And it's so, I was like taken aback by it because Regina seems so grateful and so happy to just get the dog. And I'm like, oh, that's so nice. And then like, <laughs> Alice looks at her and she's like, you don't remember me, do you? And I'm like, oh, she doesn't remember her. I was like, like, wow. I remember watching that part and I was in the back of my head like, well, you know, there's a little justification to stealing her dog because she didn't even know <laughs> who you were. She didn't even exactly. look at you in person. Like, she didn't know who you were. She just let some stranger in her house to clean up. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. That, honestly, I love Danielle so much and it was sad to see her go. Because, you know, she left. And then it's so interesting because the show is so thorough, I guess is what I should say. Because we see Alex just kind of like, um, I forget what she was doing at this point in the show. But she sees Danielle again, you know, just out and about. And she says hi to her. And then Danielle, like, recognizes her. But then when her boyfriend, like, you know, steps into frame, she, like, pretends like she doesn't know who she is. Uh-huh. And that is, like, heartbreaking. Because, of course, Alex wants to say something and, like, you know, try to snap her out of it. But at that point, like, at any point in the show, Alex got her own stuff going on. And she can't help oh. you, girl. And if she don't have to worry about her boyfriend, keep it up with her daughter, don't best believe her mom is yeah. going to have something going on. Yeah. And Alex is going to need to help in some type of capacity. But yeah. even getting back to the friends, like, even her friend, the original friend, of their friend group um, with her boyfriend, the one that ended up getting engaged and oh or married. Oh my God. If my friend tells me anything, like if you, all you have to say is I'm leaving and I'm taking my child. Right. And that's what I need to hear. Like the questioning, the acting like your friend is dramatic, like right. all of that. I was like, are you her friend or are you her boyfriend's friend? Like Exactly. Like, what is it really? Who do you support? Like what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> her to even have problems with her at the wedding at the bar when she was like yeah sure y'all can you can use my computer or when she was like I'm not with Sean again like I'm just living with him she was like if that's what you're going with yes I need to stay with him how about as my friend you ask what do I need what, what mm-hmm. assistance do 
who I need. Like saying that he thinks that we're together, like I don't need that. Like I'm I'm trying to go to school. I'm trying to figure things out. Like I I know my situation at home. Like mm-hmm. if you're my friend, be my friend, but what you're doing is not helping the situation. Yeah. She is not a girl's girl. No. <laughs> no. Cause my you would have just have been like, I'm taking my child. Okay, where? Do you need money? Let me I'll shut my mouth. He won't know nothing. Like exactly. Very simple. It's so sad because she went to her friend's house in the first episode and then he just like pulls up. It's like I are we not friends? Like, do I not matter to you? And you everybody have- in the narrative that she had his kid, it was just so annoying to me because it's like most nine times out of ten, nobody has a problem if the kids with their mom twenty four seven. But when you want to run away from something, then it's like, well, it's his kid too. But okay, so like any other time, y'all assume that a woman's supposed to have a child twenty four seven. I'm trying to take my child with me, but now it's his kids too. Like, which one is it, guys? Mm. And when he got custody of that child, what was he doing? Not raising the kid. Exactly. Mm. She didn't have any money. She didn't have anything. She would take that little girl outside, and we're going on a bear hunt. We're <laughs> going to like they had a little song. They had a little routine. Like they did their thing in the woods, and she had something. Like they didn't have toys. They didn't have you know excitement. But she, you know, she was like, okay, I'm gonna t- take you outside to the backyard, and mm-hmm. we're gonna learn about the grass. We're gonna learn about this. She was doing something with her where the focus was wasn't her sitting in the house with her mom who's depressed and scared and has anxiety and is living in a bad environment. Like, if I was a child, other than the fact that the dad was yelling here and there and throwing stuff, I would think everything was sweet. Like, my mom takes me around. We be going outside. Like, I'm outside all the time. Yeah. And it's also, like, it's also so hypocritical that he was so worried about Maddie when she told him, you know, when they first started dating and she worked at the coffee shop, like, She's pregnant, and she decided to not go forward with an abortion. Like, he didn't want to have a kid in the first place. And now that he has this kid, he uses the child as a bargaining tool to keep her around. And not to take care of the child, not to raise the child, not to feed the child, not to provide the child with anything that will, like, help them in any kind of way. Like, being there for them, being there as a father. Like, you just want to keep your little picturesque family together. So that you could feel good about it. So you could feel man enough. Even the little part of her saying, um, I don't want my birth dad. She, the, the main character didn't want her birth dad around. Mm-hmm. The, her child, she was like, hey, I don't want him around. Like, can we keep him around? And Sean was kind of like, you know, okay, cool. He kicked him out the first time. And then, like, he brings him over for beer. And yep. they're sitting at the table. He's like, we're having dinner. You need to sit down. Like, mm-hmm. I just told you, I don't have to explain to you why someone can't be around our child. It's our child, and I'm telling you, this person doesn't need to be around. You should just take it for that. But now you're flaunting this person that I already said is unsafe to be around our child, around our child. The same child you didn't want in the first place. Like, it was just so much that she just needed to understand, like, he doesn't have to put his hands on you to abuse you. Like, him bringing around in your house that you have deemed, you know, that can't be around your child. Like yes. anybody will bring somebody around your child after you say blatantly, Hey, this person can't be around our children. Like, and you bring them around all happy go lucky to rub it in my face that I don't have the power or the strength to kick them out. Like that's abuse. And it's okay to run away from that. Yeah. It's incredibly disrespectful for him to do that because 
Alex only went to her father after the subsidized housing unit she was in had black mold in it. And Maddie Mm -hmm. was getting sick and she didn't want to stay there anymore. So she went to her father. And it's clear that, like, her and her dad don't have, like, the greatest relationship. You know, like, when she went to go to Regina's house, I think it was the first episode, to clean the patio furniture and they got into that car accident, she calls her dad to pick her up. And it's very clear, like, there is some kind of tension. And, of course, Mm -hmm. like, there's no mention of her dad in the you know start of the show we just see her mom and the dad just seems to like he's kind of he kind of has like the freedom to just kind of like show up whenever she calls him and it's clear that she only calls him as like a last resort so when she went to go live with them i was kind of like surprised by it because he seems like just like an old guy you know Uh also the dad it's played by Charlie, who's the dad from Twilight. And, like, in my head, I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, it's this guy. Wow. <laughs> but- yeah, they 100% had a transactional relationship. There was yeah. no emotion there. There was no, like, I you can't see them hugging or, dad, I love you. But also when Sean told her, like, sit down and have dinner, like, you know, any man raising their voice to someone's daughter, like, the, the father is going to be like, who are you yelling at? Like, this is yeah. how you talk to them on a regular occurrence. And he's just like... Well, doesn't say you know. nothing. <laughs> like whatever. Like pass mm. me another beer. Like yeah. uh, when you get home together, I'll come back around. Like he didn't have even like the decency to protect her when he can vis- visibly see that somebody is you know being abusive towards her. Yeah. But also that's probably how he runs his house too. So he's probably like whatever. And the thing is, is that like we don't even know why Alex has like this distance between her dad until she goes to clean that one house that apparently was the home to possibly a serial killer. And mm-hmm. she finds the crawl space. And when she goes into the crawl space, she kind of has like a panic attack. But she remembers something from her childhood. And then when she goes back into that crawl space, when they're done cleaning the house, she, I guess she tries to like re-enter it so that she can get back into like the mindset that she was. Cause she's trying to like unlock some kind of memory. Cause a lot of times like through trauma, you forget a lot of things from your childhood. Cause you, your brain doesn't want you to remember it. And they want like protect you from it. But she remembers her being locked in a cupboard because her dad was yelling at her mom. And she remembers her mom opening the cupboard to like tell her it's going to be okay. So then when she remembers that memory, she goes back to Charlie's house. And she's like taking her daughter, taking their stuff. Like we're leaving. We're getting out of here. We're gone. And then from then on, whenever we see whenever we see her birth dad, he is like kind of obviously feeling awkward because now she like obviously remembers how he was when he was with her and her mom. And I don't know if he well, the show doesn't tell us if he's still that way, but like he's supposed to be like reformed. He goes to Bible study, he goes to church and like I feel like if you've been that way, you can't reform from mm-hmm. that. My opinion, there's gonna be something that triggers you with yeah. somebody. So, in my opinion, he was probably like that. But also, like again, I shouldn't have to tell you that Maddie can't be around him for you to respect my wishes. Like, mm-hmm. but also, if Sean, if Sean's hanging around him like that, and he knows and he gets a sense of what Sean is like towards his daughter, and he's okay with that, then I think he's probably still like that to a, a mm-hmm. extent. The thing is, is that men will protect each other. They'll Mm -hmm. always give each other the benefit of the doubt because they understand each other better than they understand women, you Mm -hmm. know? And it is possible that he is that way with, like, his current wife. You know what I mean? And I don't know, like, for for me, it was just, like, 
so it's so interesting to watch the show because whenever you watch other movies or TV shows about like domestic abuse or like domestic violence, they mainly focus on like, of course, the victim. And this mm-hmm. show shows you the victim, but also the perpetrator of the abuse. And, you know, after um, Sean gets full custody of Maddie, you see that he keeps going to the bar. He uh-huh. skips his bartending shifts. And then one day Alex finds him at the beach drunk and he right. asks her, like, why don't you like me anymore? And in my head, I'm like, wrong question. Wrong question. Why are you here? Do you question. want the long list or the short list? Like, you want which the real one? answer? I'll give you the real answer. She will, but I will. You know. And then the whole, like, just the ordeal with her mom and her, oh, mom, you know, her mom having a mental illness mm. and living in that trailer and the man that she was living with and it was like no matter what Alex had going on in the day if she finally had ten dollars to her name it was yep. like her mom had a problem and she got to spend that ten dollars to go to her mom it was like yep. dang girl you can't have a good day to save your life that is so true it was even worse when they found out that Basil or like Basil I don't know the guy that her mom married Mm-hmm. disappeared like, and then he got her out of the uh the mental institute and she, and she alex was like so he can just do that like yeah what are we doing right and then he took he put his name on paula's like home on the deed and then started renting out her home like an airbnb yes yes, yes. insanity and it's just mm-hmm. like before this i think my Of course, Lifetime movies or, you know, a few, you know, Tyler Perry movies might highlight a little bit of domestic violence. But I think before this, Enough was that movie that my generation saw domestic violence as physically like putting your hands on somebody and, you know, holding them back from their family. And they're not working. They're at home all day. So like all of those, you know, visible things that people are used to seeing um, in a movie or just in general from a victim um, were in a movie for enough, but we finally got to see the victim fight back and how she the movie enough. So I think that was like my only like really focus. And to an extent, I think the movie was glamorized because it was JLo and she's this pretty woman and, you know, she had this glamorous life and everything like that. And she had a family. I remember her dad helped her escape. Um, like I think that one night they hung the horn and her dad and family came and they put her in a hotel and they gave her money. She was able to go to this friend house, this friend house, but that was like the glamorized version. Alex's version is like the real life version. Like one, he didn't put his hands on her per se. He threw stuff, but he didn't put his hands on her. And two, she didn't have anybody to come get her in the middle of the night. She didn't have anybody to give her hotel money. She didn't have anybody to do anything for her. And then she has the system they're like, yeah, you need to do this, this, and this. I mean, you're not a victim, really. Like, you're kind of a victim, but not a victim. And also, you need a job to get childcare, and you need to get childcare in order to get a job. And we don't really have anything for you. Figure it out, and then come back. So this was like the real life compared to JLo, who was like glamorized and everything like that. So I did like this version a little bit more because this is like on my level. Like, okay, if something happened to me, this is the steps I really have to go through compared to JLo where it was like, she asked her dad or I think it was her stepdad or something for money. And he gave her like a thousand bucks. Like, it's like, here you go. I'll help you. Like, we'll get you out of here. They taped up her wounds and stuff. But this girl is literally like living in a place where she's shopping in a back room 
with stuff people left from their kids and their time there. And she doesn't have to pay for anything. They have fake tags, but it's just to make them feel like they still have a real life. And it's like, okay, this is real life. This is how it really is probably for victims compared to not to, you know, lessen anybody's pain, but compared to what show and that movie, like this is more real life. Yeah. I think that the first example with enough, that is the version of domestic violence that people think happens, but they have never experienced it. And they don't truly know like what it's like. And mm-hmm. that's also the only version of domestic violence that they'll really accept. You know? mm-hmm. Because if the movie Enough was like actually set in the real world, how likely would it be that Jennifer Lopez's like father would believe her and help her right. out? Because so many times parents would be like, oh, just work it out. Oh, just talk to him. It's fine. It's not that he'll die. He'll never uh-huh. do this. No, I'm sure you guys can work it out. You know, just like go to couples therapy. You know, I'm sure if you guys get some counseling, he'll be okay. He's a nice guy. I mean, right. he loves you, which is so <laughs> annoying to hear. His mom in enough. Um, when she had the black eye, his mom was like, "What'd you do? Like, what are you talking about? What did I do? Like, your son just blacked my eye. You should be saying, do you need something? Can I help mm. you?' Like, and she was just like, "What'd you do?" What? It's also sad because Alex's mom is obviously suffering from some kind of mental condition and Mm -hmm. is also a victim of domestic abuse. And I think that the show shows how like a lot of women who deal with mental disorders, like whether it's like bipolar disorder, personality disorder, like autism, whatever it might be, they're more susceptible to domestic violence because they are not that in control of their life as someone who is like neurotypical and uh-huh. it sucks because like it's so clear basil is a terrible person he doesn't uh-huh. like, care about paula he doesn't love paula and when they get married i'm just like girl i don't know if you can see the forest for the trees but something is wrong with this picture paula <laughs> you gotta leave this man like run <laughs> yes girl it's so hard to watch because like there are even small instances like when paula said that she had like she could put her painting in a gallery and like Alex is like super happy and proud of her mom. And then they go to the gallery gallery and the man is like sitting there like, um, I said it should belong in a gallery one day. And then she's sitting there trying not to be embarrassed. And then Alex is like, Oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. Like, but I think also everything that happened with her mom, because I remember one scene, she was like, I'm your mom. You're not supposed to take care of me. Like Alex was ra- raising two kids, if we're being completely honest. It was Maddie and her. But also I think that made her fight for more for Maddie, which is why she started going back to, you know, finish her applications and calling the schools and trying to find more and be more as a woman past being a mom and being a victim mm-hmm. and being a caretaker for everybody around her essentially because she even started taking care of her clients like that one mom who had like the hoarding issue that had to move to another place she went in there and she did her thing like she cleaned up that house so good it was mm-hmm. a judgment zone it was how can i help you because helping you is helping me but how can i help you in your time of need because you need me and i can assist you and she took care of everybody and I'm so glad like she started to take turns into taking care of herself but that also came from assistance from people like Anika Noni Rose's character yeah 
Yes. And I do love Anika's character so much because she is first kind of like the woman who's a little bit distant, you know, maybe a little prickly at times, but Alex is someone who is just so desperately trying to take care of her daughter and herself. Mm -hmm. She has no ulterior motive. She has no agenda. That is all she is trying to do. And I'm glad that her and Anika's character found like this kinship with each other over the series. And it really warms my heart because it really is Anika who like comes out on the other side helping her. Because Mm -hmm. even though Seth has his family and his family has money, Seth is not a good, like, he's not a good person. No. No. He doesn't have good intentions. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't take any accountability. And his Mm -hmm. actions speak louder than his words do. And Alex, and all that she does is just try to help her daughter and help build a better life for themselves. And that is something that anybody can so clearly see. And her, Mm -hmm. like offering to clean the lady's house who is a herd hoarder and just taking whatever money she can give her and just like doing it freely freely and not taking Nate's car when he first offers it to her because she knows that he likes him and like I would have took it <laughs> I would have been like hey I'll I'll call you don't worry about it but uh, never call me I would have took that car <laughs> I would have <laughs> took it and left but she she was she was very prideful, even though she was in the middle of a lot of stuff. She was very prideful and tried to make sure she didn't repeat certain things uh, yeah. with certain people. It's clear that she wanted to like take care of her family on her own, by her own merit. And although she definitely needed that car, there was a stipulation in taking mm-hmm. that car. And she knew that. And she understood that. And she couldn't deal with someone else holding something over her, especially if it was a man, when she is just simply trying to make it out here, like, on her own. And I think she started to take care of people the way she always wanted to be taken care of, like, Mm -hmm. Anita's character, when she was in the car with her baby, and she, was it on the ring doorbell or on the phone, she called her and she was like, I'm in the car, I'm not getting out this car, because this baby is finally asleep. She was like, go to bed go take a shower this baby's fine and she was like what like once i pull him out he's gonna cry she was like no it's fine watch this and she let her sleep she was like i feel like a new person she was like yeah and i'm just like alex never had that alex probably never had anybody to be like go take a nap i'll watch the baby go do this i'll watch the baby and if she Mm -hmm. did she didn't trust him in that capacity to watch her child so i felt like towards you know the end she started to care for people the way she wanted to be cared for mm-hmm. and doing things for people that should have been done for her to right. take the love for other people. So I loved her character because of that, because she could have been selfish. She could have been like, I'm not cleaning your house for less than what I said. I need this mm-hmm. money. I get where I need to go. But she saw like women in need that needed help. And she jumped in where she could to do what she could. Yeah, that's very true. And I think that another thing that works with, um, Alex's character and Regina's character is that Regina is honest. You know, mm-hmm. she's not going to like bullshit Alex in any kind of capacity. So when Regina does show like this softer side of herself, Alex knows that that's truly like her character. Like that's truly who she is as a person. And that's why mm-hmm. she knows she can trust Regina. And I feel like with Nate, although I did like him and like he's very attractive. Like, oh, he's so sexy. Yes, he was. <laughs> Like, even though, like, he seems like a really nice guy, like, very helpful, and he's, like, recently divorced, so he's single, but there is that feeling that she has, of course, where it's, like, he's still a guy, you Mm -hmm. know, 
if she offer she accept, accepts his help, if she, you know, accepts anything in return for like any of his kindness, there's always that like feeling of mm, he might want something else and like I will not be able to reciprocate that. And I'm not gonna lie, it was very hard because when Nate fully like admitted his feelings to Alex, I was kind of like oh my gosh, girl, what if this is it? What if we get by? Like, rich husband, come on. Oh my God, like it is. <laughs> Make it happen, girl. Make it happen. And of course, her mother starts to stay with them because her mother needs help. And then mm-hmm. her mother gets mad at Alex and then goes back to her home and start, tries to break into that home and then cuts her wrist, get injured, she has to go to the hospital. And that's when Alex has to admit her to the hospital because she can't take care of her mom. She can't be there for her mom. And, and she tries to fight that a little bit. She didn't she really did. want, she didn't want to admit her. You can see it in her face. And the social worker was like, I mean, can you take care of her 24-7? No? Mm-hmm. And it was hires. Yeah, it, it needed to happen. Alex needed those people along the way to kind of just like not sugarcoat anything and kind of just be like, no, your mom needs help. We're putting her in place. Mm-hmm. If I agree to put her in that place, then let me be the person to take her out, not her boyfriend. No, absolutely like, not. Because why is he even here? How did he know what? she was there? Who and then told they him? Were like, Oh, Alex, when she was like, how'd you let her leave? I think they were like, it's not a prison or something they said. It made me mad because I was like, what? I think they said they can't force her to be there or it's not a jail or so. I was like, what? But back to the friend that helps. Um, I think, again, another comparison to Enough, J-Lo had a friend that could help her. I think she mm. even like slept in bed with him at one point. Like They didn't do anything, but they slept together. And I want to say her husband came and ruined that situation where she felt like staying there would jeopardize her friend's life and everything too. But she had a friend that she knew had feelings for her. She stayed at his house um, until they came and they ransacked it and they threw everything there. Oh, that's what it was. She hid in the vent with her daughter and held her mouth. And um, they, they threw everything around in his house and everything. Then she was like, I have to go. But as for Alex, she was like, I can't take your car. She needed that car. That girl needed that car so bad just for, was it Nate? Not Nate, um, Sean, to take the car back to him. He was mm-hmm. like, yeah, we're not going to have that car. And she was like, that's how I get around. That's how I have a job. That's how I clean houses. And he was like, yeah, we don't need that. We? <laughs> what? And then she was just in the house. And then I think, again, back to that whole me having to watch things twice to really okay. comprehend. I have to ask you. I have to ask yes. you. Because I didn't know. When I first watched the show, I was kind of like grappling with this question. Do you think Nate was in the right for kicking her out of the house after he found out that she slept with Sean? It's iffy. Um, if she wasn't someone that was going through abuse, we would automatically be like, no, like... Yeah, of course, kick her out. Like, she's leading you on, and then she slept with this person that she says she no longer had contact with or that she hates and all of this stuff. But because she's an abuse victim, you want to be like, let her stay there. Like, that's wrong to kick her out. But any other person, a woman would have kicked him out for being like, you slept with this woman that you said you didn't want to be with and you didn't like and that you were over and all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword of 
him being right in setting boundaries and, you know, kind of saying he's not going to get what he wants out of her and just cutting it off there and kind of wrong because she needed that place. And it's like, get over it. Like you knew she wasn't going to sleep with you anyway, and this wasn't going anywhere, Mm -hmm. but I don't know. I'm in between. I I feel like he was wrong. Really? I feel like he was wrong because in my heart of hearts, I wanted to believe that he was letting her stay with him because he knew that she was poor Mm. on her own. She had just lost her home in that very nice neighborhood with that very nice um, daycare that her daughter was going to. She needed to live in that neighborhood so her daughter could go to the daycare. And she knew that she, she lost it because her husband, not her husband, but Sean is an idiot who completely ruined things for her you know, because of his drunkenness or whatever. And he let her stay with him. And even though, like, he confessed his feelings and he was honest and he was upfront, in my mind, it's it's like, okay, either he's doing this because he's let her into the home, so he's telling her, so maybe, like, she feels the same way. I don't know if he's telling her so she feels obligated to sleep with him or if he's telling her just to be, like, honest and just, like, clear the air and just make things, like, 100% clear. Because even when Paula was, like, making jokes about, like, them getting married and them sleeping together at the dinner table in front of the children, he would laugh. And I'd be like, haha, it's funny, but, like, don't laugh, bro. Because, like, you know that's not going to happen. And then... Longer so that we could get, like, a little snippet into each person's life outside of Alex just mm. to see, like, a bit of, okay, what happened when Alex left? What type of life were you living before Alex got there? Like, yeah. do you really like her or do you like the thought of her? Like, what is it? So we can have a better understanding. I like that they focused on Alex only, but it was sometimes I was just like, ooh, what, what is this person really like? Like, mm-hmm. what, I like that they focused on Alex because it was her story. Yeah. But sometimes I wish we got a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like... I would have liked to learn a little bit more about Nate because he does seem like a genuine guy and I understand like he wants to have boundaries and of course like if you want to set your boundaries and um, you feel like she crossed boundaries by sleeping with her baby daddy that she says she had no contact with you want to make a clear line in the sand of like you know sorry I can't help you anymore like if that's your prerogative that's your prerogative but when I was watching it it did feel like you're letting her into the house because she's vulnerable. She needs somebody. She doesn't have anyone else in her life. And although her life is messy and chaotic, you're like the one stable person. And you're hoping that she comes to you needing you like the rock, someone to hold her and make her feel steady. And even if she says no today, she may not say no next week or next month because you're going to be... Hmm? He wanted to rescue her so bad. Like yes. he wanted to be that knight in shining armor. Yes, he did. That could be a part of their love story. Like mm-hmm. she had a relationship. I got her out of it. Like he wanted that part. He just got out of a divorce. So he wants to, you know, redeem himself in a way. The same way that like her dad somehow redeemed himself by marrying that Christian woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because guys cannot be the villain in their own story. And if they get a woman that is like higher than the person that they just got out of a relationship with, even if they were the problem, like then they're like, oh, I'm golden. How can I be a bad person? And I'm with a Christian. Like, how can I be a bad person? And I rescued this woman out of a domestic violence situation. I'm not a bad person. I'm great. Like, they seem like the hero in that situation automatically. Yeah. And obviously, we don't know the conversation that like Sean had with 
Nate when he returned the car. But it's clear that, like, it's probably that Nate didn't, like, really give him any pushback on taking that car back. I want I like, I want to know all of that stuff. Like, yeah. I wish we... Have you read the book? I haven't read the book, no. I wonder if it's in the book. So that makes me, like, that would entice me to read the book. I'm not going to lie, because I would want to know if those extra details... I do like that it was a limited series. I didn't think it needed to have multiple seasons. I think mm. it was good for what it was. Um, but I would like to know a little bit more. Yeah. I do have to say one thing that I found, I don't know if I would say this is unrealistic, but one thing that was like a little, yeah, a little unrealistic to me was just how Alex treats her daughter. Because I know many mothers, I have a mother, you know, and like there, you can have a mom who is kind, who is hardworking, who is patient, but at one point or another, your mama gonna yell. Your mom's she gonna was overwhelmed. She had a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. She never not once really like got mad at her daughter. And I was just watching it like, so she's like the perfect mother? Yeah. yeah. I saw um, some interviews that she did, um, the person that plays Alex, and she said that she would have the little girl that played Maddie, her daughter, with her 24-7. Like they would have pizza parties on the weekend yeah. to build that relationship. Yeah. So I don't know. Again, I haven't read the book, so I don't know in a book if, like, you know, she had those moments of yelling and, you know, outbursts because she was going through a lot. Like, she didn't have any money. Like, that gas scene where she was in the negatives and she had to ask somebody for $5. Like, you, you, I think Maddie's ice cream was $2 or something. Like, mm-hmm. you, you have a reason to yell. Like, I'm not saying yell at a child, but you have a reason that if you had an outburst, it would be okay. And she never. Yeah, and I think maybe they were highlighting that, like, through everything, being a mother was her top priority, maybe. Like, you know, the the anger and the frustration around in that trailer wasn't going to affect Maddie. I think that's what their focus was. Like, there was yelling here, there was, like, anger here, there was confusion. But when it came to her and Maddie, it was, like, love and pure, you know. I guess that's what they were trying to highlight. But I do remember sitting there being like, man, like... Mm. He said, yeah, yell, she ain't nothing. Like, I would have at least got in the car and yell one time holding the steering wheel or something. Like, yeah. that was just much on one person. It is a lot. And I feel like you're right. If you're overwhelmed, you may have an outburst. You may slip up. You might get angry. And I think that um, even though I love the show, I feel like the portrayal of Alex kind of falls into, like, the perfect victim. Where a lot of times when you have these shows where someone is a victim of, like, any kind of abuse the person who is the victim has to be without any kind of sense. They mm-hmm. cannot have any kind of flaws. If there is something wrong with him, that somehow they are like, they're, the abuse is like a vindication of like mm-hmm. their flaws. Like, of course she got her daughter to get away from her because she yelled at her daughter one time. And you can't do that to your daughter. Like she's a child, but parents yell at their kids because kids are annoying and you get upset and you get mad. Like not all I parents go with the gentle parenting work. method. Like, yeah. Yeah. You're you yelled at by your boyfriend. Now your kid's like, mom, can I get a cookie? Can I get a cookie? Can I get a cookie? Like that might be your breaking point. And for the show purposes, that's okay. But mm-hmm. also I wonder what the relationship would have been like if she would have had a son instead of a daughter. And I feel like her having a daughter and having a relationship with, that she had with her mom and the lack of mom her mom was to her mm-hmm. made her you know overdo her part as a mom to Maddie but I really wonder how the dynamic would have been if she would have had a son instead 
granted, Sean probably would have been more, you know, available to raise his child then because mm-hmm. most men like having a son. But how hard would she have fought to protect her son from everything that was going on around her like she did her daughter? I feel like if she had a son, Sean would have fought harder to at least raise him. And then she in turn would have tried to fight harder to get him away from Sean, you know, because she doesn't yeah. want Sean to, well, she doesn't want her son to end up like Sean, you know? Yeah, because I think with her having a relationship with her mom and seeing the things that she saw happen to her mom and, you know, hiding from her dad and hiding from the things that were going on in her house, she mm-hmm. wanted to show Maddie a lot. And I think them giving her a daughter in this story worked perfectly because it was the fact that she didn't want same cycles to repeat each other. Like she didn't want her daughter to see her dad yelling and hitting or whatever it was, her mom, the same way she saw those things and actions happen to her own mom when she was growing up. So I think it was an extra protective layer because she did have a daughter and it was like, okay, you're mine. Like if I shield you from the things that's happening to me, like my mom should have shielded me, then maybe you won't grow up in this same environment and maybe you can grow past this. But I wonder too, again, like I said, if she would have had a son, how hard would her fight have been compared to making sure her daughter didn't, you know, do those things that she did in another lifetime? Yeah. You're, I feel like you're right, definitely. And this also reminds me of like, Going back to when Sean dropped the car off at Nate's, just after that and like the depression that Alex falls into, it's so hard to watch. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, like throughout the whole series, she's fighting for her life. She's fighting for her spirit. She's fighting for her daughter. She's fighting for her freedom. She is fighting tooth and nail, like to the bone. And at that point, she really just can't do it anymore because also Sean lost his job. He has no money. He starts, starts his, He spends his money on beer rather than on money for food for their daughter. And he's supposed to be an Alcoholics Anonymous. Like, you're not supposed to be drinking either. And then you're drinking on top of that. And then you're working at a bar, which is way more tempting at mm-hmm. that. So it's just like, I honestly thought she was going to fall into depression a little earlier than she did, if I'm being quite honest, because she had so much. But seeing her, like, get on the couch and she just laid there, like, she was like, white flag i surrender like you win i don't have to get up ever again like you got it like and she just let maddie play and she fell right into that couch and she didn't get up for a minute and even when um when anika came over she didn't get up like yeah that could have been her surprise yeah yeah when anika came over i was like how does she know where she lives (laughs) that's your way out girl Get your bag and run, girl. We gotta go. I'd be like, we don't need nothing in this house. No, we don't. I'm headed on the ferry, okay? Wherever this ferry is taking me, I'm going. But I do feel like, you know, I thought she would fall into depression much earlier in her story because of that. Because it was a lot at one time. Mm -hmm. It was very overwhelming for her to deal with everything she had dealt with. Like, even with... Basil taking all her mom's mortgage money and gambling it away. And then her mom yelling at her about it. And then her losing her place at Nate's home. And then being in Sean's trailer again. It's like, girl. Going back to Sean's trailer would have been enough for me to be quite honest. To have that strength and that plan to get up out of there and, 
you know, start a new life and, you know, because in, in everybody's mind now, you're better than them because you think you went off and you did this, 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 and oh, look at you right back where you started. Like, mm-hmm. so that would have been right there too much for me. I would have been like, oh, okay, this is what I'm about to fall in deep into this couch. Like, because right. this is, like, I'm really going back. Okay, I have to go back because mm-hmm. I can't see my kid out here. Like, it's so much. She really should have like screamed and punched a window or something. But right. she was very calm. She had no violent actions towards her. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until he threw that vase and she finds Maddie hiding in the cupboard. That for me, like the parallel was too much for me. I mm-hmm. actually, I started crying. I was like, I actually can't do this. <laughs> I actually need a break mm-hmm. because it was a lot. And then she's like, I'm getting out of here. She left on foot. Mm-hmm. Regina. She's like, I gotta go. I gotta get out of here. I can't be here anymore. I need you to help me. And Regina goes and she gets her. And I'm so glad that like she offers, like she drops her off at the shelter again. And the shelter gives her like clothes, a phone. And she um, left her notebook behind at Regina's home. I think mm-hmm. or in Regina's car. And she read it. And me, I'm sitting there re- watching her read. I'm like, oh girl. Don't get too deep. deep. She was like, am I the cut house? And she was like, she was like, it's okay. (laughs) If I lie, will you believe me? (laughs) But her dropping her, like the domestic violence house was new to me because like a lot of shows have just showed kind of like shelters. And I'm sure like they're all not that nice, of course. Mm -hmm. But a lot of shows have just showed shelters with like bunk beds and moms on top of each other and the dangers that come from being in a shelter so this one was kind of like an eye opener of the possibilities that are out there i know this isn't available for everybody but just like you know her getting the phone and having to go all the way down the street she could only use it outside of the building Mm -hmm. her like i said going shopping inside of the building of old perishables that people have left and, you know, Maddie seeing other kids down there and the lady helping her with her email and all of those things. So seeing the type of assistance she can get once she was in that place where people understood and there was no judgment and people were really trying to help, like in their heart of hearts, they wanted to help. It wasn't just a job. That was an eye opener for me because, like I said, I only know shelters like the beat yeah. down shelters. You got to be there by a certain time and people dragging their kids down the street. That's the visual that I have for DV shelters because that's what's shown on TV. This one was much different and I kind of like it because it it might show the possibilities to some people that only have that vision of like those overpacked shelters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I also like that because it shows that there is a clear safety net for domestic violence victims because there could be people watching this show that are possibly looking for an escape and for them to figure out that there is something out there like that for them they can try and find it like as close by maybe a little bit further but they'll they'll know that like there is something out there for them that will protect them and their family and then they can go somewhere where they're gonna be okay like they don't have to stay with their abuser like they can leave and try to figure out something else out Mm -hmm. it's also admirable to see alex like go so hard to try and get like housing and financial aid so she can go to Missoula and she can, you know, leave and start working on her degree because that, oh my gosh, I was so happy for her in that moment. 
Yeah, I I also like the innocence they showed and how she just really simply didn't know stuff when she was on one call. She was like, I'm trying to do the F-A-F-S-A. And I was like, girl. <laughs> girl. Wow. I was like, you're here. Like, it really showed that she didn't know anything about the college process. Like, she wasn't a dummy at all, by far. Like, she had a set skill set. Yeah. And she could write and she can clearly put her thoughts down on pen and paper she just never had and she obviously never had family and friends that were going off to college either because like she didn't have anybody to even teach her those things so when she's calling everything's new to her like she's doing all of this stuff for herself for the very first time and I like the process of them showing how like she really didn't know anything and she had to teach herself everything mm -hmm. that's very true she did have to teach herself a lot which isn't easy because when it comes to college a lot of kids learn that in high school so for mm -hmm. her to not know about it has to like call into question like what was going on with her when she was like very young you know she probably didn't care of her mom yeah that probably hindered her from her getting a good education too making sure whatever's going on at home and taking care of an adult probably stopped her a lot too mm. that's that is probably true um but, but again, that's why we know more stuff. <laughs> <clears throat> Need to know more what's going on. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm actually very happy, like, near the end of the show, because I feel like the show has put us through the ringer. The show has given us, like, all the nitty gritty of what's going on in her life. And they're like, we're near the end. We have to make it a little bit lighter. Like, maybe mm -hmm. just, like, a little bit happier. So, you know, she's about to apply to Missoula, but, mm -hmm. of course, she has, like, the custody thing with Sean. So, mm -hmm. Regina puts her into contact with a family lawyer so that she can leave the state so that she can go to college. And, basically, she tries to, like, put into a motion to court, and she pre presents it to Sean, who, of course, is not happy about it. And he tries to reject it, citing lack of evidence of abuse. So mm -hmm. basically the lawyer is like, listen, Alex, we can, you know, go through this. We're going to go through the court case. But in the end, if the judge rules in Sean's favor, you cannot leave the state to go to college. I was sitting here like, we can't, we can't do this. We can't do this anymore. We are fighting for our last breath. And y'all yes. are standing on our necks. You have to let us breathe. It lets you know how difficult the law is in yep. protecting everybody involved in that situation, especially Alex and Maddie. Like, yeah. what do you mean I can't live the, leave this state and go get an education so I can work and provide for my child when this man is abusing me here? Like, so you want me to stay here with no job, no good education for my child, just so her abusive father can be around? Like, what are y'all yeah. saying to me right now? Honestly, and it's even worse when she finds out that her mom is working at a flea market with another man. <laughs> and she's homeless now. Her mom has so much. Living in her car, she's like, I'm fine. And she was like, everything was like, I'm fine. You don't worry about me. I'm fine. You don't look fine, girl. You don't look fine. You look like you're in trouble. She's like, what are you talking about? I'm good. No. No, ma'am. You're not good. That's not what good looks like. This yeah, bad. Like Alex's assistance to understand that yes, you know, do right by your parent, but like, girl, you gotta live your life. Like this don't, lady, don't do right by your parent to the point where you become the parent. Yes, like I understand if your parent has a mental problem, one hundred percent. But like, mm -hmm. you can with what you can 
get them resources together. If there's other family, which they didn't have, but lock in what you can because girl, you gotta live your life because you gotta be good for your own child. Like yep. you be half baked because you've taken care of somebody that should have taken care of you so much. And she's her mom's not even old. Like that was the crazier part. Like her mom was I don't think they said her mom's age, but I'm gonna go with she was in her 40s to 50s. Like she mm. looked very young and very like she had good movement and everything. So like Alex taking care of her mom when she had a child to take care of was so insane. But that's like a lot of people's reality that like they have to take care of their parent. Like that's an added person that they have to tend to. Mm-hmm. Yep, very true, very true indeed. And. <clears throat> I'm not going to lie. I was a little hesitant when when she asked Paula to like supervise Sean's court approved for our visitation session with Maddie. But she had no other choice because she had to ask Hank if he would testify saying that he witnessed Sean emotionally abuse her. And Hank said he wouldn't because he empathized with Sean's struggles with alcoholism. And it's like, please be useful. Like, you want your daughter in your life. You want to talk to Maddie. You want to be a part of her life. You have to stand up on your own two feet and you have, just, to do like, you have to do something you have to say with your full chest i saw him mistreat my daughter i saw him mistreat my daughter and it doesn't mean he's a bad person i know he struggles with alcoholism nonetheless my daughter wants to go and make a better life for herself with her younger daughter she should be able to do that without the threat of her baby daddy holding her back that's all you had to do and you couldn't do that you could even lie. You could have been like, I've been a great man my whole life. And I, I know that's not a great man. Like, you could have lied. Nobody knows what you didn't dig. You did some horrible stuff. Nobody knows. But you could have just went in there and started from scratch and advocated for your child. And that's what you didn't do. And nobody other than Anika and maybe the DB um, house people advocated for Alex at all in this whole thing. Not her friends. Her mom couldn't because her mom wasn't all the way there. Her dad, not Sean, nobody advocated for this girl. Like nobody had her back except that one lady at the domestic violence center mm-hmm. um, that checked her in and Anika. The people at her job didn't even like her. Mm-hmm. And I mean, she did go behind their back at one point. And, you well, know, she he- needed to. She needed the money. <laughs> she did what she had to do. Yes. And it's like, you guys are being horrible to her. So mm-hmm. what do you expect her to do? Like people have yeah. to eat out here. And right. she said that she needed to eat. She said she needed to tend to her child. So mm-hmm. the fight that a mother will go through to make sure her child has stuff, like y'all can't knock her for that. But then they fired her. <laughs> right. I mean, y'all weren't giving her extra shifts. So she had, to make, she something, she had to make something happen. And that girl did. She, she took a piece of paper and a marker and wrote and taped stuff around the city. She was like, I'll clean up. Like, call me. And then I, did she, Sean took her phone or she ran out of minutes or something. Mm-hmm. So people weren't able to get in contact with her. So she was going to the libraries and mm-hmm. checking her email. Like, she was really getting down to work. And so, like, that was one thing nobody could take from her. She was a hard worker. She was yeah. focused. She was dedicated to getting out of that situation the best she could, but also making sure Maddie had whatever she needed. Yeah, that's true. Man. And even, I feel like when um, she went to the, like, the group to talk to the other survivors of domestic violence, and she was just telling them her story, it was just so nice to hear her talk to other people who could relate to what she's talking about other people who had also been there, other people who could like empathize with her and feel for her. And that's when I really was just like, see, now she's being seen. 
now mm-hmm. she is around people who could truly see like all the effort she has put in like she is putting in all this effort the only person who sees how hard she's working for maddie is maddie mm-hmm. that's it but when she sits there around like, also... probably like that's my mom that's what moms are supposed to do she doesn't yeah. the depths that her mom is going through she's like that's my mama of course my mama's gonna make it work yeah. my mama pay for it don't even work yeah Oh my gosh. I was so happy when Sean was just like, you can go. Mm-hmm. You know? Because what else could he say? What else could he do? What does he have to stand on? What argument does he have to bring to the table? There's nothing. nothing. There's nothing. You need to clean yourself up. This girl didn't even really, you didn't even want this this little girl. Like, And I, again, I want to know a little bit more because like further down the line, like I got questions like, do you still go back to the town and take Maddie to visit her dad? Like, mm. what goes on after? But I guess we would have to read the book. Yeah. Yeah, we have to read the book. <laughs> it's actually very sad when Alex asks Paula to move to Montana with her. Because me, fully in my head, I'm like, don't ask her to come with you. Leave I her! I would have been like, girl, here's my number. You know, I'll call you to come out in about five months. You yeah. know, me and Maddie will invite you out for Christmas. So exciting. Like, no, new life, new mindset, new everything. I can't be around the same people in a new mm-hmm. state. Like, you can't flourish that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to leave everything behind when you're starting new. Yeah. Start and all- fresh. And also with that being Alex's real mom, I like when I went through to do my research, I was like, okay, so like, how did this affect your relationship? Because I know some people like when they really get into like their acting and their mindset and everything. Mm-hmm. But she said, like, I was good. Me and my mom, like, she was like, my mom has always taught me like acting stays at work, and you know, mm-hmm. you the next day she was like, so we were cool. We would laugh after, and it was just great and I was like that's good that that's a totally different relationship than you have with your actual mother because yeah be some hell on earth on set if this is like an actual relationship and how you guys really communicate or see each other like it's good that you have a totally different relationship than that yeah absolutely and Amy McDowell she has been acting for such a long time so for her to be acting like alongside her mom and be able to like really just match her mom in quality is something that mm-hmm. I truly admire because of all the TV shows and movies I watch, you can always notice when there is a seasoned actor and there mm-hmm. is a newer actor yes. and who does that fare well in the seed or who does that really like rise to the occasion. Like one example that I like to use sometimes is um, Tick Tick Boom. Because Andrew Garfield and Alexandra Ship are two actors who like are dating in the movie, but in the scene that I think about a lot, um, Alexandra Ship is like talking about the relationship and how hard it is on her, and they're like at this breaking point, and she's like trying to sound like she's crying, and Andrew Garfield, who isn't talking, who doesn't say anything, is just standing there, and he is emoting. He is acting. He's not saying anything. It is his body language. It is his face. It is his emotions. It is how he's making the audience feel. And Alexander Shrimp is trying to make the audience feel some type of way. You know, so there's a very clear distinction between two actors and their talents. And it's so interesting to see Margaret Qualley, who is like Andy McDowell's daughter, be able to match her mom 
and like yeah. keep up with her in the scene you know and I didn't know they were mother daughter and I really appreciated that when I mm -hmm. first watched it I watched it solely off of social media being like you need to watch this this is so good mm -hmm. it was one of those Facebook things you know where people are like nobody's talking about this and so I went and watched <laughs> it and I was like oh this is really good then I think I saw something somewhere say that that was a mother daughter duo and I was like who was a mother daughter duo and then I saw it and I was like wow like she really held her own against her mom who is so good and so well versed in acting and it's been doing it for such a long time she's really good and also i appreciate not knowing that that was your mom because like i i ended up finding out that she um the person that plays alex got the role before her mom she actually suggested her mom to play that role but you know automatically you would think like oh her mom got her that role like so i appreciated not knowing anything like i went in there blind i didn't know they were related like it made the show so much better for me compared to going in there with the expectation of okay you're an actress's daughter like you better act your ass off and mm -hmm. give me like i went in there blind and i was like damn like you're really good like yeah okay and it gave me an extra, like, I gave her extra flowers once I knew that her mom was her mom. And I was like, okay, like, you're holding your own, even against your mom. Like, yeah. you're not even in there, like, let me not outdo my mom in this uh -huh. scene. Like, like, I'm at work and <laughs> I'm doing my thing and you did your thing. And I appreciated that because it gave more to the character. Finding out their mother-daughter kind of gave a little bit more to me later on just seeing like how they acted with each other and the circumstances they were through as characters. But I am glad, like I said, I did not know that was her mom. I'm happy. Like I sometimes I'm happy when I find out somebody's a Nepo baby. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, like good for you. But yeah. thank you for blowing me away before I knew that information. Right. Sometimes I just want the talent to speak for itself first. That's all you want, you know. Tell me information later. Like, yes. if they, they got in this easy, tell me that later. Like, let me see what their art does first. Mm -hmm. And then I'll be like, oh, they got that because of who their parents are or mm -hmm. their dad being a producer or something. If I can watch it and be like, you're talented, and then later on somebody's like, oh, you know, his mom is the director. I don't care because they did great without me knowing that yeah. information. It's only when they do a bad job. You're like, who gave you this job? <laughs> who'd you have to call to get here you, get you don't belong on the roster no i don't like this redo this yeah exactly recast this right now yeah that's how i felt about like dear evan hansen the movie at least not the musical but the movie musical it was kind of like you only got this role because you were the original dear evan hansen and then your dad is literally a director so like ah uh... we need to get somebody else in here Kind of like when my mom, I watched Girlfriends as a kid when I probably shouldn't have been. And she was <laughs> telling me that Tracy Ellis Ross was um, oh. Diana And I was like, I don't care. That's Joan. Like, what are you yeah. telling me? I, I, I knew who Diana Ross was. Yes. I didn't have an understanding yeah. of who Diana Ross was. I was a child and I shouldn't have been watching Girlfriends. Of but course, yeah. Tracy Ellis Ross is her own entity now. Like, yes. Yes, she is. That, you know, know and respect her mom being her mom. It's known and respected. But like, some people are kind of just like Tracy Ellis Ross is famous because she's Tracy Ellis Ross. Like right. a lot of people don't think too much into her being the Diana Ross's daughter. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that for her. Evan Ross too. He's very creative and artsy as well. Um, but Tracy Ellis Ross is probably like the biggest person that I can think of. Like, I don't think your mom, when I think of you, I think of you as an individual. And I think 
of your talents and what you've been in compared to simply you being somebody's child. Yeah. That's another thing. I do love Tracy Ellis Ross because she is incredibly talented and so yes. funny and so dynamic, incredibly charismatic as a person. And I didn't even know that she was Diana Ross's daughter until I watched Blackish and I saw her really? in interviews. Yeah. I didn't know. That's good though. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, That's okay, girl. Like, oh, okay. Like, dang, you're really doing a thing. Like, yes. you're really excellent. Like, and for me, it was just like, my mom was like, even with Paris Hilton, I remember her telling me like Paris Hilton's family. And I was like, okay. Like not that Paris Hilton is doing anything like, you know, super crazy talented, like acting. Right. I was like, okay, like this is Paris Hilton. Like who are her parents? Like, were you saying like, I kind of like when you're an individual and like me finding out about your family lineage later on, it's like, oh damn, like you come from a long line of like athletes. You come from a long line of actors. Like I'd rather see you and your talents first. Like, yes. let me let your art speak for itself first. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what we want to see. And I feel like Maid was like the perfect introduction to Margaret Qualley because before mm -hmm. Maid, she didn't really have any like standout roles. And I think now that she has this in her filmography, she has been like, you know, getting a lot more like solid roles. Like I know that she's a film coming out at the end of February called Driveaway Dolls okay. with Pedro Pascal, Beanie Feinstein. It's supposed to be like, I think it's a Cullen Brothers film. So it's supposed to be like very, you know, kind of artsy indie, but also like humorous she, in a way. Yeah, she gives me artsy or independent film type of actor. Like she doesn't give, and not in a bad way, she doesn't give big film. She yeah. gives very like I study for like a small independent role that maybe a lot of people won't see mm -hmm. but it will be the talk of the town amongst those that do see it so I like that in her and I hope she keeps it up um because I really did appreciate her and me and the time that clearly she put into that character mm -hmm. yeah made is a amazing grounded performance from her and I honestly like try to recommend it to as many people as I can, especially if I know that they like those kind of shows because Made is not a show that you can watch casually. You know? No, no. Mm -mm. I, I recently explained it to a friend. I was like, have you watched Made? And they were like, and they're really into movies and TV. And they were like, what is that? Like, I haven't heard of it. And so I kind of explained everything. And they were like, okay, can I watch any interviews? And I was like, like, <laughs> there's not a lot to break down what the show is about. I'm mm -hmm. sorry. Like, here's my synopsis. Yeah. Um, here's this, 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 and it, it focuses on this. And I'm like, okay. I was like, it's not that many episodes. You know, it's very quick, but it's not quick. Like, it's very, like, you know, it's a story and mm -hmm. it doesn't drag out. Like, if you have problems like me, like sitting during something the entire time, eight episodes worth, yeah. and you want to get on your phone, it's something that you can easily. If you get on your phone, you can still stay focused on what's going on. If you don't get on your phone, you can still stay focused the entire time on what's going on and not lose interest. So that was something that I appreciated from the whole thing. Right. <clears throat> I'm someone when I start watching something, I kind of get zeroed into it. Like I can't do anything else. Like I can't let myself get distracted. So I have to like watch it like fully all the way through. And with me, I feel like that was a perfect show for me. Because from episode one, it just drew me in. Like, mm -hmm. so much happened in episode one. And it just never stopped. Like, the hits never stopped coming for our girl. And I was like, I will never find another show that is this intense. 
this mm-hmm. impactful, this like honest and realistic, and this well written. Like the tone in this show is like perfect. I was like, I would never find another show like this, and it's such a shame because this is so good. Like, and they did all that without exhibiting like physical harm. Like he didn't mm-hmm. have to put his hands on her, and it didn't have to get brutal on camera. It didn't have to get bloody. Like you know, it wasn't that. It was still storytelling of an abused woman without you know showcasing that part of it and i like that part too because they they really focused in on the writing and the storytelling Mm -hmm. actors and their facial expressions and everything like that instead of showcasing the brutality of domestic abuse so i do like the way that they told that story as well because honestly when you're in that kind of situation you want to be able to leave before it gets to that point that's what you want to do and that's like the hopeful thing that people want to do a lot of times women they stay because they hope that things will get better and they Mm -hmm. hope things will change and alex recognized that there is a certain breaking point in the relationship where she will no longer be safe and neither will her daughter and when she understood that that's when she took the action to leave Mm -hmm. yeah that's something i really admire in the show and i'm so glad that she got her happy ending in the end and she went to muzola and like in my heart of hearts, I kind of wish there was like an epilogue. But at the same time, I'm like, no, she's good now. We don't need it. Like, you know how Euphoria pops out maybe like two episodes only about Zendaya every like five years because mm. they don't show for real. Um, mm. They don't give us what they should. But you know how Zendaya has like two Euphoria episodes here and there? I kind of wish sometimes that shows like that would give like one or two every like three years or something kind of just to update the viewers that care about the storyline to see you know where this person might be because I do want to see like is she married is she like is she having more kids does she find the right person how's her mom doing does she go back home does Maddie have contact with her dad like I want to see that range um but I know we're not going to get it unless we read the book and it's in there um Mm. I'm kind of tempted to read the book now because I I have so many unanswered questions yeah yeah but overall it's such a great show um do you have any last thoughts about made that you like to Um, share i think i think it was like a little one-off that we said like just the interviews were not what i wanted like when i was researching for this it's like they didn't talk about what the show was actually about they didn't really ask them you know hard-hitting questions on the tv shows i saw like some um zoom you know interviews for because it was during COVID time but like when it was on ellen or jimmy kimmel or something they didn't ask the right questions and i was like mm-hmm. oh my god ask about the show ask about domestic violence ask mm-hmm. about anything. and it was like they were asking about their family life they were, and then they were like commercial break came back and they were like make sure you watch the maid on netflix and i was like you told me nothing about the show like yeah. so i hope for the future that shows that that highlight things like that that people that give interviews, they take the time to really focus in on the topics of the show and and they don't get scared of the topic and speak on it and speak about it and show that, you know, they actually watch the show and they have an understanding of the show um, and the characters. So that's my only takeaway. Like that show was so good. I don't have anything else to say about it. I wish it didn't come out during COVID um, so that it could have got the appreciation that it deserved. But I think coming out during COVID made it a classic amongst many like that probably don't talk about it um, because they don't know who's actually watched the show 
compared to things like um, Squid Games or, you know, Tiger King or something like that. There are a lot of people, I think, that have watched the maid, but they probably just don't know who they can talk about it with. Mm -hmm. That's another reason why, like, I even have this podcast, because there are so many TV shows and movies that you watch on the regular but not all of them will get like the same reviews or the same treatment. You know, like they're the popular and the big shows that kind of on Netflix and Hulu that you will see in like screen grants or you'll see like comic books or whatever channel is new rock stars, you know, do yeah. like a review on it or do a breakdown of it. And then whenever it's a show like made or like black cake or like something like that, where it seems very popular and it seems like mm -hmm. a lot of people have watched it, but when you look on YouTube for any kind of like reviews or analysis, there are only like a couple of people with like a couple of views on the yeah. videos and nothing really in depth and nothing really like high quality content, like going into it and breaking it down. So that's one reason why I love doing this podcast because I want to give space to like these shows to give them like a thoughtful analysis and talk about them with other people who love these shows. And also because you're right, a lot of like late night shows, they throw softball questions to a lot of actors and actresses about their work. And it could be because they haven't seen it actually, or because they don't want to get too deeply into it, or it's because they're looking for that viral clip, you know, mm -hmm. they're looking for like that little like soundbite that they could put on all of their social media platforms to try and get it trending and try to get people to possibly watch the show on YouTube, but they probably won't. And yeah. there's nothing really like in depth and there's no real, real care going into these interviews and like asking people these questions that really like make them think, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cause I think your platform is the first like place I've really, especially me, like, but in general have seen anyone talk in depth about this show. Like, like I said, when I went on YouTube, it was really just those zoom clips of the actresses sitting with someone who may have like, you know, a couple hundred thousand followers. They're of course not, you know, Jimmy Kimmel or Ellen or anybody like that. Mm -hmm. And some challenging questions for the actresses and actors of the show but you know then they get on those mainstream shows where it really counts to some people to do those interviews and they're not getting hard-hitting questions they're not getting any challenging and that doesn't do anything for the show and it does a disservice for the show and those that are on the show when you can't you know get somebody to ask the proper questions because i do watch jimmy kimmel i will watch good morning america that's usually how i find out about shows and movies because who does commercials anymore for real when you yeah. have that <laughs> I can pay for no ads. So how would I know about what new show or movies coming out unless you do a proper interview or thankful for the maid social media hypes you up based on you being a good show. So I do appreciate platforms like you that do in-depth analysis of shows like this, because if not, where will we talk about it at? Yeah. And I feel like that's really important because this is a very, amazing show and it's something that i highly recommend you guys watch and check it out you know feel free to suggest it to all your friends and family about made it's on netflix it's still streaming and mm -hmm. we're just going to move it to the recommendations which is the last part of this podcast where we just give our recommendations for other movies and other tv shows that we've watched that we'd like to recommend to you guys or anything that we've seen that we think that you may enjoy you know um do you have any recommendations because I think I've written mine down. Um, let's see. Love and WWE for my reality show people um, is a reality show I'm highlighting for Black History Month with WWE superstars Bianca Belair and Montez Ford. They're a married couple. Bianca Belair is champion. She's 
amazing always. She does her own hair, makeup, makes her own clothes. Her husband is an amazing athlete. It's about eight episodes. It's on Hulu. No, it's nine episodes. They uploaded all of them at one time at the top of February. And I did see a lot of buzz and chatter that they could only get a season two if people actually watch it. But to me, this is another example. They didn't do really good publicity for the show, at least not Hulu. Like it, it wasn't how I thought it would be, especially because I've seen other wrestling reality TV shows and the buzz that they've gotten. It's a great show. It's a great show. Um, you don't have to be a wrestling fan to watch it. You don't have to follow sports entertainment. Um, it is appropriate for kids to watch. So if, you know, your daughters or sons like wrestling, this is an appropriate show. They're not doing anything on there. Um, an American Fiction with Issa Rae. I, I think she did the um, the screenplay, if I'm not mistaken. I know she did something or she produced the movie. Um but I think it's nominated for like four or five Oscars. Sterling K. Brown is in it. Um, Issa Rae is in it. Um, Maxine Shaw, attorney at law, is in it. Um, <laughs> it's really, really good. I'm only 30, 40 minutes in. And I would say a little dry humor um, for those that, you know, comedy isn't like always, you know, just right there, a joke right in your face. For those that like a little bit of dry humor, I think this is the one. And I think Wait, I, you said you're 30 minutes into the movie. I'm like 30. Yeah. Did you? I dozed off last night. <laughs> Wait a minute. Did you like get it on like Apple TV or something? Um, I actually don't know how I'm watching it. I watched it at a friend's house yesterday because I've been wanting to watch it for a really long time. So I actually don't know how we watched it. I figured it was on streaming because we were going to watch Color Purple, which is another thing I would recommend. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm a music and I know Color Purple wasn't for everybody, the new adaptation, um, but I'm a musical person. So for yeah. me, I was very excited for the Color Purple um, musical adaptation. But um, back to American Fiction, I think it's an amazing movie. I can't wait for Oscar season. I really do hope Sterling K. Brown gets it. I do have to research his, I try to go back and look at um, all the categories and movies that may be nominated for Oscars. So when I'm sitting here, I can't be mad at which one actually wins compared to like a favorite. So I try to make sure I'm well-versed in all of the categories and those that are nominated. But as of now, American fiction, Sterling K. Brown is really funny in it. Um, but he also plays a very serious role in some sorts, but he's hilarious from the few minutes that I've seen and Tracy Ellis Ross, I'm not gonna spoil the movie, but the Tracy Ellis Ross is also <laughs> very funny in this movie. And she's <sighs> Brown's uh, sister, as well as um, the other main character's uh, sister. So there's a lot that goes on in that first 30 minutes where you're gonna be like, okay, I get it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it is a really good movie. It's nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Jeffrey Wright is nominated for Best Actor. Joy K. Okay. Brown is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. And I think that it's also nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay for Cord Jefferson. Yes, yes yeah. that's what it is. Um, but yeah, I, and that was one of those things too. I found out from Good Morning America and I heard Sterling K. Brown's voice and I was like, oh, I'm locked in because I like him. And then I saw <laughs> but again, like that's why doing interviews for like daytime TV or night shows is important and asking the right questions. Robin asked the right questions, you know. Mm -hmm. I got of what the movie was about because Sterling K. Brown was able to describe his character and the plot of the movie and everything like that. Mm -hmm. So please ask the right questions when you guys bring people on shows. Please, 
please. Or you know what? Call us and have yes. us interview these people. Call people that care about movies and TV yeah. shows and have an understanding of pop culture references or have an understanding of, you know, film history or something. But mm-hmm. not asking the pro- I want to know about their personal life. Yeah. But I want to know about what I'm about to go pay mm. to go like, because yeah. again, there's commercials like there's no commercials out here so you have to do the job of what the commercial would have done for me right and also like they only have like six or ten minutes to ask people questions yes. on the shows so the open dialogue is like 45 minutes <laughs> yeah uh yeah american fiction is a really great show i actually watched it a while back in december and i do love it it's really good so i think you'll enjoy it I think yeah. you really like it. I think you'll have a lot to say about the show, to be honest. After what happens to Tracy Ellis Ross happens, I got to the beach scene mm-hmm. and then I got to um, figure it out why Sterling Kate Brown isn't with his family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I started to see that part. I saw when he wrote the first part of what he's writing. So I have to just like dive right back in. But it's not a hard thing to follow. It's not boring at all. It's actually very interesting at how they do things. And like I said, it's just funny. Like I laughed a couple times. Like especially mm. with A. Brown said why he doesn't have his family. I was like, what? Like, yeah. Why don't you have your family? But okay. Um, and then, yeah. But I think those two are my big ones. I'm always gonna rave for Black Cake. Um, mm. That was a one um, that my a lot of my followers have discovered me by. Black Cake was really really good. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, it got its praises that it deserved, um, but I really appreciated it, how it was written. And a lot of people are saying season two in my comments. I don't know. I thought it was a limited series. But yeah, sometimes, that's what I thought. Sometimes I'm wrong. Like sometimes people are like, no, you didn't know it's a season two coming. I'm like, that seemed like a limited series. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but it is a book. Mm. So I don't know if there is more past that. Um, but to me, it seemed like a limited series that that was it yeah there has been talk i think from exactly the producer the showrunner and also the author that if own network wants to explore season two they're open to it but there hasn't been a season two announced and because of all the unquestioned unanswered questions from the show a season two seems most likely because there are still some things we need to know yeah, okay. so I was like, it kind of like with Made, where we have a lot of questions and, you know, a lot of stuff is open-ended. But then I was also like, okay, this isn't supposed to go past one season. Like, this doesn't seem like there's more to it. But also, I could be wrong. Like, also, there could be other avenues that we can explore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially. I did love Black Cake. Um, I do want to recommend for the listeners, I've been spending a lot of time watching Apple TV because mm-hmm. I pay, listen, I pay for Apple TV. I think I got I, I got to watch it. I want to say I'm using somebody's account, but I I watch Apple TV for sure. They have some good shows. It's just secret, like good shows, because they don't really publicize them the way like Hulu and Netflix does. Yeah, it's strange because I feel like Apple has a lot of money, so I think I need to put something in the marketing budget because I'm only seeing ads for Silo, Hijack. 
and for all mankind and also for Ted Lasso. But Ted Lasso was kind of like a hit on its own because there are those people that love like, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Parks and Rec. So Ted Lasso falls very like well into that kind of category of like sitcom. So Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso really like grew an audience of its own from its mm-hmm. success. So they didn't really need to put that much press out there for the show. And for me on Apple TV, when I'm watching, I think I've talked about this in the previous episode, but I just want to bring it up again. There's a show called uh, Criminal Record that I started watching that's really good. And it's about this woman. She is a police officer. And one day a 911 dispatcher basically conferences her into a call because there's a woman calling and she's like very upset. She's trying to leave for like her abusive boyfriend and she's kind of just like rambling. So like the 911 dispatcher doesn't know what she's saying or like is trying to figure out what's going on. So she um, conferences in the police woman and the woman that calls 911, she says that her boyfriend has hit her. Yeah, he's done this before. He stabbed a woman and killed a woman, but another man went to jail for it. He got away with it. And then the police officer's like, that sounds like something I need to look into. So right. she starts to look into the case and she soon finds out that that case is something that was closed by uh, a man named DC Haggerty, who was like okay. a lieutenant in, I guess, the, the British police. And he's old school. Like, he's been in the police for a long time. He knows everybody in there. All his oh, old no. friends used to run the police. And she is a light-skinned black woman. So she's trying to figure Ooh. out why this man, Errol Mattis, who is this black man, who why did he go to jail for stabbing his girlfriend when he may not have done it? And D.C. Haggerty, huh? How many seasons is it? It's a very new show. So this isn't its first season. Okay. Yeah, so... When the show was first released, the first three episodes were released on Apple TV and they've been doing weekly releases every Wednesday. So okay. next week is the season finale. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let me check that out. I will say also on Apple TV, I'm a big morning show person. Um, I think the morning show never gets publicity, to be quite honest. I don't. That's crazy. I feel like I saw it a lot in season one. I think one is I think I saw it on season one because they went to Good Morning America because if I'm not mistaken Jennifer Aniston shadowed the anchors at Good Morning America I could be mistaken but I think so and that's how she studied what it's like to be in a morning show setting so that was me learning about it and Mm -hmm. after that I didn't see them put anything out and I don't know why but maybe it's because the people that are on the show they figure you know that's a draw in itself but there's three seasons. Season one, um, if those are familiar with like the Today Show and everything that happened with Matt Lauer there, it's kind of like a play on that and sexual assault in the workplace um, and how like men of power can assert themselves over women who are maybe like an intern. And, you know, it really, I not even how I watch shows, but I would say watch it twice so that you can see it from different levels because you might see it from his level and be like, okay, like he didn't do anything wrong. But then you see it from the younger woman's level and you're like, no, she's in a weird situation. That's a man of power. She thought she had to go to his room. So it's a play on the mind and you're able to view it from different perspectives. And then season two is about COVID, of course. Um, And then um, everything that happens with COVID. And season three is about 
the network being purchased by someone I believe is supposed to be like Elon Musk um, and how he's trying to basically like just take the network so that they report the facts that he wants them to report um, and them trying to get in, on top of that and making sure that them as a media outlet can remain, you know, honest and true to the viewers um, and making sure that they don't get sold and scraped away to nothing. So it's really good. I think Jennifer Aniston, um, I'm not one of those people that's like, she's such an amazing actress, but I think in this, <laughs> she does a good job at being mm -hmm. serious and um, I'm annoyed <laughs> to the depths of me by Reese Witherspoon's character on this. Mm -hmm. I think it annoying me as a character like you're doing a good job clearly you're you're playing your part but like she's so damn annoying i mm. cannot with alex um but i think it's a really good show it's about 10 11 episodes um 45 minutes each three seasons and like i said um jennifer aniston reese witherspoon and it's really about morning show tv and the behind the scenes and all the crazy things that go on back there um, they highlight the the um, shooting at in Vegas at that concert and how news reporters could be sleeping in their bed and then something happens and now they're on a jet and they have to go out there. You can't cry. You can't be sad. You need to report that news and report it accurately um, and all the behind the scenes that go on, you know, with people like that. So I think it's really good if you care about behind the scenes um, mm -hmm. stuff, TV shows and how they're produced and how they're made and stuff, but also like if you just care about a season worth of stories. Um, so sexual assault, then COVID, then um, somebody trying to buy the network. It's not the same every year. And I like that. You did tell me about the show when we were first talking yeah. <laughs> about doing the podcast. And you the way you explained it just reminded me of what you said, which also reminded me that I need to watch the show because yeah. I initially wasn't going to watch it because I feel like, when I saw like Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, both actresses that I love, more Reese Witherspoon because I'm like so, I don't know, I feel like it's legally blonde, but I'm so emotionally attached to her work. Like everything she's in, I have to watch it, like no matter what. But for this show, I was kind of like, I don't know if it's for me. I don't know if I'm like the audience for it. And then yeah. a clip from season three when Nicole Bahari yes. completely just reading that woman. It went she viral on TikTok. She let her know what it was. Yes, for that, for all the people that like have work job inequities and all those problems that women are getting paid less than men and, you know, people that do more are getting paid less than the people that just come to work and sit down all day. Like, they do a leak, like someone like leaks all of the, the payout. And that's what that conversation is about. Like you brought me on here cause I'm black. Like, why am I not getting paid what I'm supposed to get paid? And she dug into her the way it was needed. And it was mm. so good. Mm -hmm. It was so good. <laughs> that's who we need on the real. Okay. Yes. Her. yes. And I will, again, that's her first season. So again, for those people that are like, I only want to see her, you can start from season three because that's her very first season. So that's your first introduction to her. Everything that kind of happens in the other seasons don't doesn't really like go into the next season, except for like, you know, a little bit of the a character dies here and there or something like that. But other than that, like a new season is a new season. So you can follow that season based on what the storyline is for that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to actually jump into it this weekend. I'll see if I can watch it because my sister just moved into a new apartment. So I'm going to hang out with her tomorrow to see her new place. And I'll mm -hmm. see if she wants to watch it. 
I will say episode one, I always tell people episode one to shows. Like, I'm always like, no, oh, don't judge it by episode one. Wait for right, episode right, right. <laughs> I'm, I'm an episode two or three person because episode one is not always like, yeah. you're not going to get what you want. Out of that. It might right. be boring. It, it might be like, you don't know what you're going to get out of an episode one for a show. Mm-hmm. I feel that, honestly, because whenever I start watching, especially like a K-drama, it takes a while for the action to really ramp up in those shows. And they like to introduce like a bunch of characters all at once. And you don't really understand how all these characters are connected until you Mm -hmm. really get into the season. So I know what you mean when you say like, don't wait on episode one. Like if episode one is to draw you in, just keep watching. Keep going. It's a story. They're telling a story. Once you get to three, then you could be like, I don't know about this show. Yeah. But like, I think episode, I liked episode one, but it's like an episode two type of feel that'll really bring you in. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sounds good. I'll be sure to check that out. Um, there is one movie I do want to recommend because a lot of people have been watching Mr. and Mrs. Wright, which is another mm-hmm. show that I have to watch. Um, but uh now that Mr. and Mrs. Wright has kind of become like really popular, a lot of people are discovering other works that Maya um, Eskrin has done. I think that's her last name. Her last name. Um, okay. And one movie that I love is Plus One. It stars her and Jack Quaid. And it's this like rom-com about these two single people who are best friends in college. And throughout the summer, all of their friends are getting married. Like almost everyone they know who is their same age is getting married. So Netflix? Hmm? Is it on Netflix? They just put it on Netflix. Okay, I know I saw it on my homepage, so yes. Yeah. So now um, Maya's character and Jack's character are going to these weddings together, and they're trying to help each other, like, hook up with singles at the wedding. It's a very funny movie. Like, it's very endearing. It's very humorous. And honestly, like, a lot of times when I watch, like, those kind of rom-coms or those kind of comedy movies, I'm kind of just like, I'm just gonna watch it for fun. I'm okay if it's a little bad. This is actually a very, very good movie. And okay. if you're just looking for something to watch that's just, like, fun, it's funny, it's heartfelt, it's actually, like, a pretty realistic depiction of, like, what it's like to date and, like, relationships and marriage and that kind of stuff and how life is. And I love that movie so much because sometimes you want to watch a movie that will make you feel a little bit something but not too much you know yeah you want something that's nice and enjoyable i think the last one for me would be the crown and i think i told you this already too Mm. um it is for some very boring i'm not gonna lie um but if you (laughs) get it like episode two the king dies and it just shows you of course, everything's a little drawn out, of course, but it shows you what happens in real time. Like the queen was over there thinking she's still a princess on a trip with her husband. Her dad's dead. There's no cell phones. She doesn't know. The media is rushing to go take pictures of her, be sad. And she can't physically show tears. She's not supposed to show emotion. So she has to lock in. Like she's in her queen mode automatically. As soon as they say your dad's died, she can't cry about it. She can't mourn his loss. She got to go run a kingdom. So she needs to go get dressed and go where she needs to be. So that whole ordeal, um, the last season is about um, Diana and then they split it up. And then the second half is about William. But like, I didn't care that it was about William. I'm not going to lie. I don't, who cares about William? Exactly, like, show right. 
they really did a good job of trying not to show Harry. Like they would show Harry for two seconds and then he'll run off and do something. It was really about William and Kate. And then the queen died in real life. So they had to change things up and showcase the death of the queen. So that overshadowed William and Kate, which like real life, it overshadowed <laughs> William and Kate. But like, they want you to fall in love with the story of William and Kate. And like, for the life of me, I don't care. <laughs> I mean, who does really? I don't show me Harry, like yeah. show what they have going on. But also, like the king cheated on, or Prince Philip cheated on the queen, like for a whole tour on a boat one time. And I swore people were like, "They're so neat. They were perfect. He he loved her." And I was like, "Oh, they must like you know, this is great, cool." Like, and I watched. I was like, "Oh, so he cheated on her." The entire time and y'all had me thinking like this was some great love story and he was out here on a boat on every island just cheating on his lady right it's this, crazy that's not a love story yeah but i guess you know if you tell it the way you tell it it is a love story right okay all right um you know what i feel like those are a good set of recommendations to give to listeners and teases where can the people find you you guys can find me on instagram at just underscore like teases um i give chaotic reviews on tv shows movies and events that are going on so red carpets any red carpet coming up we have the bafta awards the sag awards and then the oscars in march i give red carpet reviews on all of those as well as any recommendations that anyone might have. Um, I really feel like I'll probably do the made for everybody in preparation for this podcast so that, that we can all watch it and review everything together. Um, and as well as on Instagram at Life of Teases. And that's mm-hmm. what the um, and that is more so just my outside side. So you get to see the events that I go to um, in Chicago, around town, um, when I'm traveling. You just get to see a different side of me um, on that side. But for all reviews on chaotic TV shows, movies, really quick, really fast, really witty with pop culture references. You can follow me at just underscore like teases on TikTok. Right. Guys, don't forget to check out all of her links in the description. Um, they'll be down below. And guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I had a really great time talking to you, teases, about Made. Thank you yeah. so much. Of course. It was really great. And I, I was just honestly so happy to find somebody who loved the show as much as I did. So this is really wonderful. Uh, guys, please go check out all of Teases's uh, links in the description down below. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about your new favorite podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. You know, we are on TikTok, we're on Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube. Uh, the video podcast comes out every Monday at 2.30. And remember that the podcast comes out every Saturday or Sunday morning uh, around 9 a.m. on Spotify and all other places you may listen to your podcast and we will see you guys next week with a new topic new guests like we do every single week